o'clock on a Saturday. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Felix Reyes. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Ah, beautiful day. Lost to cover. Glad you're with us. Me and Mike Murphy. Him, he's Fred Hubner. How you doing, Fred? I'm doing good. I'm just trying to figure out where I can get an Eloy jersey my size because Eloy's a big guy. Maybe his jersey will fit me. I don't know. His uh, game-worn jersey would certainly fit you. Probably. Uh huh. You would think. He is a large man. Are there many of those? Oh, no. He's a big man. I'm a large man. <laughs> Are there many Eloy unis floating around out I there? I saw him at the ballpark on Tuesday. I mean game-worn. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, most people, if you get a game-worn, it stays at home unless you're... Uh, you know, want to wear his game worn. Well, I would imagine his all the game worn are still a little damp from yeah. last night. Ridiculous. Wow. I've never seen it rain so hard and them still play baseball for uh, <laughs> as long as they did last night. And uh, you know what? It was yeah. a good thing because the White Sox got a win. And I was confused. Thank goodness Jason Benetti. You were confused. Thank goodness Jason Benetti checked with the official scoring ah. because I always thought they'd revert back to the previous inning or something and maybe Eli's second homer and uh, wouldn't have counted. But no, that's not the case. I believe they sort of tweaked changed yeah. all those rain out, uh, rain delay, uh, suspended rules a few years ago. And I, when I heard them, I said, I can't remember all that. No, right. I let, let somebody else do it. And that's why Jason Benetti was there. <laughs> Jason. Once the rain started, they had a great conversation. He and Stone had a great conversation about money and baseball because so many people this week talking about, uh-huh. you know, Ozzy Albies taking so much less than he could have gotten. You know what? The, the, some of these guys probably grew up with dirt floors in their houses when they grew up. Now they're getting thirty-five to forty million guaranteed. So, you know, until you've lived in their shoes, ah. if they even had shoes back in the day, yep. You know, you can't. Uh, someone wants to give me twenty-five or thirty-five million dollars guaranteed. You know why not? Don't have to worry about the next seven, eight, forty years of your life. Are they lining up to do that no, right now? No, there's not. There hasn't been anybody. I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting. You can always get to me at Fred underscore Hubner on Twitter. I'll answer your uh, your uh, money demands. Uh, Murph and Fred, nine till noon. Busy day. We're going to visit in a few minutes. Usually around ten o'clock. Jesse said I'm busy at ten, so he'll be checking in. Uh, we will have Masters uh, talk with. Oh, one of our favorite guys, Peter Longo, the king of clubs, later this hour. And a uh, friend of mine for many, many years celebrated his 35th anniversary singing over at uh, Wrigley Field. Wayne Mesmer going to stop by and say hello in a, a little bit. But The absolute best uh, uh, yeah. national anthem singer oh, in the country. And a good guy. Uh, so last night... After the uh, uh, Cubs' exciting uh, victory, the White Sox did the same thing. But the story today is the big guy, Eli. We don't have a nickname yet. The big guy. That's what Hawk was great at. Hawk would come up with the nicknames. Not one, but two. First two big league home runs last night. Sox trailed in this game 4-1 to one after two, but two in the fourth, and then two more this inning, and suddenly it's a tie game. Mercado runs, Jimenez, a towering fly ball to center field, and it is up and out of here! Mount Eloy erupts for the first time! And that's the first of what is going to be many, folks, because if this young man stays healthy, he's not going to be a star, he's going to be a superstar. Here comes Eloy Jimenez, who last time up, 
Hit his first home run. Jimenez a drive. Deep left field once again. No chance. He did it one more time. We told you it was the first of many. We didn't necessarily mean tonight. When he comes to bat, don't go anywhere. Watch the at-bat. They're going to be wildly entertaining. Oh, and he certainly were. Highlights WGN TV. Hey, there he is. Let's go to Jesse Rogers, Murph and Fred, and Jesse Saturday in the park. It's our time, which, you know, a lot of fans say, you know, Murph, I can never be around the radio at 10. Could you please, please ask Jesse to get up one hour early, at least once, 9 o'clock? And you said, I'd be happy to for everybody, right? I thought you'd tell them uh, I'll put them on at 1 when we're off the air. (laughs) Well, let me just give your phone number out over the air right now and then just call you anytime. Fans say how to check. That's what Twitter's for. They can get a hold of me anytime they want, bitch. Jesse Rogers. All right, Jesse, last night, Eli... Or Aloy, as some people insist on saying, and I'm going to stick with Eloy because they asked uh, Senior Jimenez uh, about a month ago. He says, "I don't care whatever." That's the worst thing. That's worst thing an athlete can say. I'm sure Jesse's walked up to guys and say, "How do you pronounce her name?" And he said, "I don't care." It's the worst thing they can tell you. Greg Maddox, Greg Maddox, Jose Guzman, Jose Guzman. All right, Jesse. Here's so we have our uh, you know the Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll and. Felix the Cat, these are up and running, right, for about an hour or so now. Jesse, here's what we're asking. We have a a specific request for Cubs fans uh, to uh, vote on this one uh, and Sox fans to vote on the next one. Uh, Cub fans, do you regret the Quintana for Eloy Jimenez Dylan Cease trade? Cub fans, vote yes or no. And Sox fans... Yes or no to this riddle. Is the Eloy trade even better because you fleeced the Cubs? All right. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Uh, Jesse, first things first. I want to ask you a question. Eloy Jimenez, everyone's pretty hip to who he is. We just heard what he did last night. He was the uh, young Cub, the trade we just allude to, alluded to. Jesse, let's just uh, hang on. Where's my what hang if on, bell? Hang on, Jesse. Did you steal his bell? Oh, my gosh. Where's the what if bell? You can't lose that bell. You can't lose the bell. No, I know, because it's been driving you nuts for about 28 years now. <laughs> All right, Jesse, let's just say what if uh, the Cubs uh, never had, you know, traded Eloy, all right? You know, they had actually developed a couple starting pitchers. They didn't have to worry, oh, we got to get Quintana. We got Let's just say, you know, what if the uh, Cubs had never traded Eloy and he was still today, you know, in the Cubs system. Where would he be? What would he be doing? Uh, I, I don't know if I have a good answer, so I'm going to throw it to you. You may have a, a better answer than I do, because I don't have any answer. Where would Eloy be? What would he be doing today if he were still a Cub? Oh, I, well, you know, I, my best guess would be he'd be in the majors. Let's start with that. He would have been in the majors earlier because this was a contending team mm-hmm. that could use that kind of a talent. Where he would be, I think he'd be in right or left, and Elmore or Schwarber would not be on this team. Probably Schwarber would be my guess, 
since it's a different skill set than what Almora has and brings to the table. Hmm. Because if he's in, if he's in right, then, then Hayward's in center and Schwarber's in left, and I just that doesn't feel right. I think Schwarber would not be on this team. Eloy would be in left, Almora in center, Hayward in right. That's the only answer you can give, really. Mm-hmm. That's the only place he would be if he had been you know, doing what he had been doing in the minors and no, can't miss prospects sure. while Schwarber had been going through some of his struggles. He'd be the next guy up in left field. So when the trade was, and, and you know, I, I, I have to, you know, I agree with you. What else? Could, so when the deal was made, uh, the Cubs did have Schwarber, and the Cubs did have Hayward, and uh, the options then were for a guy like Theo, I need pitching because Jason McLeod, we haven't developed starting pitching. Uh, anybody on the horizon, now maybe Dylan Cease, you know, sometime, but. He needed pitching because he didn't have any. So he was, I guess you would say, quote-unquote, forced to make the deal. Had he had a pitcher or two coming up, he could have, you know, maybe traded Schwarber at the time. And Schwarber's market value, I have to say, uh, has never probably been lower than it is right now. Well, and it fluctuates quite a bit. And ne- right? Yeah. And Especially never, after seven strikeouts in two games. Yeah. In, in, eight, yeah. in eight or nine at bats, he had him at one. So uh, it was really a pickle that Theo's uh, farm system put him in. And uh, Eloy, right now, looks like, well, it looks, this could be every 50 years they had the Lou Brock Ernie Brolio trade, and the young fans go, who and who? Well, this will be the one maybe they're talking about now, 40, 50 years from. They, 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 they traded away Eloy? It's, it's, it's really an interesting story, and I, I guess you, I, I can't really sit here and blame anybody, except they could have got maybe someone better than Quintana. Now, you had some interesting stats first on Quintana. Miss a little, miss a lot. I heard you uh, during the week. Would you have those at your fingertips still? Yeah, I do, and I'm real interested to watch him in his next start based on these stats. This, this is, These are his numbers after he throws a quality start with the Cubs. Which he just did. Anec- which he just which did. He did. I think anecdotally we all know mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to follow up good performances with good performances. All but right. now we have the numbers. This, these are the numbers after a quality start, which is defined at least six innings of three runs or less. Right. That's a quality start in baseball. He's done. Uh, he's pitched 22 quality starts because I know he's done uh, done this in 22 starts after his quality start. He's seven and nine with an exact ERA of 5.00 with a WHIP of 1.51. That's after a quality start. For comparison, in every other start, he's 14 and six with a 3.24 ERA and a 1.13 WHIP. That is. Very contrasting, I think huh. you could say. A five ERA in, in starts after a quality start, three point two four in every other start. It's it, really strange. It, it's unfathomable. It's it's it, it doesn't make sense. Here's a guy that uh, pitches a you know six innings, three runs. A lot of people, Fred, used to scoff. You know, at a quality start, it's only six. Nowadays, boy, how things have changed, Fred. Yeah, six uh, innings is amazing. If you well, knew stop, every stop starter, Jesse, excuse me, could give you six innings and leave with three Ernie's under his belt, you'd take it 162 now. Suckliff always says, six and three back in my day, I'd be at triple A. That's, sure. that's what he, he said. Sure. That, that, that's, yeah, 100%. If you can get six innings of a guy now, he might win the Cy Young. Mm-hmm. So. Times have changed, but uh, yeah, it's it's really striking how now what now what 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 is behind that Murph? That's what I right, want to get. Right. When I asked him the other night, you know, 
Obviously, he's a soft-spoken guy. It's hard to get to the bottom of that. But the only thing, just thinking out loud, is he gets a little arrogant. He gets a little cocky. He gets a little full of himself and then relaxes his next start. Is that what happens after a quality start? It makes no sense. Like you said, if the stuff is still there, it just doesn't play after he throws a good game. It doesn't make sense to me. I wonder how many innings or pitch count the next time you have all the raw numbers and that's terrific maybe after the after he goes six or six and a third or six in the quality maybe seven like the other day his arms tired uh now it could be mental like you say who knows or it could be he's just not doesn't have the life in his arm the next time out you know well that's actually a great that's actually a great point because i absolutely remember a couple moments like that when he was plus 100 in the pitch count and I even said, I remember doing this last year, hey, we got to watch Quintana tonight. Again, anecdotally, it was after a good start. I didn't have the numbers in front of me, but also it was over 100 pitches. He could be a little tired, and he did have a bad outing. So you're not wrong. Maybe it's a combination of physical and mental. But, um, uh, man, uh, you know, it does make that trade look worse and worse every time Eloy's going to go up there and hit a home run. Huh. I will say this. I have defended this trade from the get-go, and I think you know why, because I probably said on this show, whatever Eloy does from here on out, you cannot take away the two, two club uh, Cubs playoff appearances that Quintana was a participant of. Now, notice I say he didn't lead them to the playoffs right. these last two years, but he ate up innings and was a participant of. And that's important because, you know what, um, six and three, that, that doesn't sound great, but when you have... Eddie Butler as your next choice, right. that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. And you're right, the storyline of the Cubs is outside of winning the championship is the fact that McLeod has not found or developed pitching. Theo was in desperation mode when he traded for Quintana. And I mean that, desperation mode. Right. He's in desperation mode when he picked up Cole Hamill's option. Mm-hmm. Think about the Cubs without Cole Hamill's. And this, I wrote this today, basically. The, 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 it is still the base, as much as we make fun of what starting pitching is, six innings, three runs, it is still the basis for a championship team. Look at the great teams. They have great starters. That is still the case. The Cubs were running out of starters two years ago. That's why he made the trade. I will defend it, though it's going to get harder and harder as he like, gets his career going. And Jason McLeod is still on the Cubs' payroll. Well, and that's why that's why people will always talk about it. And uh, Theo, they had to make a move. They had to do something to get a pitcher, not only for the future, but also, as you said, to help him in that year. So Rick Cotton had pretty much had him over a barrel because apparently he said, listen, this deal's not going to happen unless you throw in Dylan Cease. And he's yeah, a guy that probably, accurate. right, they'll <laughs> probably be with the White Sox later this season. Throw him in. <laughs> right. Throw him in, right. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. You met, We've mentioned Schwarber in this. Think about it in a, in a different world. Now, remember, this was 17, right, when they mm-hmm. made the trade? And Schwarber, that was his, the, the worst first half he's ever going to have, right? Yeah. Uh, his value was so down. But in a different world, let's say Eloy shoots past Schwarber in terms of his career, and he is this great superstar. And maybe Schwarber will get there. We don't know. But in a different world, Schwarber's talent level probably was worth Quintana. I'm saying what we think of Schwarber right now. Now, maybe Schwarber's going to be better. Maybe he's going to be worse. But his talent level is probably equal to, to Quintana. But Eloy hadn't done anything in the majors, was still two years away, had a few injuries here and there, and so they pulled the trigger. But in, in reality, if you think about it, if Eloy's going to be great, and Schwarber's just going to be okay. Huh. A Quintana for Schwarber deal made a lot more sense if we think about both players, right? 
Don't you agree with that? Well, yeah, and but, every, but Eloy might be the superstar uh, that goes past everybody. Jesse Rogers with us, Murph and Fred. Everything you say is true. I'm just going to say, like, to me, you needed a better pitcher than Quintana. Right. Everything you said, I agree with. They needed him. He was serviceable. He, they needed what he did. You need a guy, Fred, I got to think, that's going to go, you know, win three out of every four games. A 15-5 and five type guy. You know, a guy that's going to go 16-6. and six, If indeed, Eloy is a Lou Brock type of guy. So, time will tell. But it's now in retrospect, they didn't, they needed what they got didn't get enough that's me and i didn't i never liked i'm the apple with you i never liked this trade from day one and fred fred knows i never liked it no i know and let me let me jump in because you bring up a good point murph and re- let's remember though Kitana really has never been as good with the cubs as he was with the white Sox. now is that a don cooper thing or a you know, pitching coach i don't know mm-hmm. but it could also be and this might be a failing on, on theo's part you know we talk about mcleod and the young pitchers well theo is the one responsible for the veteran ones he's brought in Jose Quintana goes from, let's face it, a little less limelight. Sorry, sorry, Fred. This no, you're right. Coming off a world, you're right. Up a world Series. He's put in the middle of, of the Chicago Cubs, and he has never been as good. Theo doesn't listen to the whole world and goes out and gets you Darvish. Okay, got him at bargain base and prices. He's also getting, well, compared to what he could have been, you know, he's also getting bargain a bargain basement performance out of him. He goes out and gets Tyler Chatwood and looks at some peripherals and his road splits. Maybe think about it, Chatwood. It's between the ears. Darvish. It's between the ears. Possibly Quintana. When we talk about these numbers I just gave you, possibly between the ears. Theo's failings may have been in that category, not diving a little deeper into some of these guys. Now you can't know everything, and who knew that Quintana might blow up on the big stage? I don't know that for sure. Maybe Theo could never have known that. But I—that's where I see some of his failings. McLeod with the young pitchers, and maybe Theo with the veterans. All panic moves yeah. that he was forced to make. You look at it in 2014. He had a two—he had a 281 ERA with the White Sox, then 318, then 356 uh, before the trade. Um, you know, uh, for the White Sox, actually, he was—he was 402 when the Sox moved him but in this, 2017. This was at the Sox, but right. remember, this was year by year as the Sox are getting further worse, away from right. who they are. Worse. Now, even I thought, okay, this guy's going to be re-energized coming to the Cubs. And, and you know, we have seen moments. You know what the funny thing is, Murphy and Fred? The other night, he, what, seven innings, 11 strikeouts. Yep. You, know, you, know, you know how hard it is to perform like that? Yeah. It's not that easy. The funny thing is, it's so hard, he can't even do it very often. Right. You know? And, yeah, it's, it's, so there, is, there are moments, and, and, and there is talent in there from him. It's just not enough. So I, I understand what you're saying, Murph. They needed a better pitch yeah. or a more consistent okay. one. Okay. I, I, I just got off the phone uh, with Jason McLeod. Okay, Jason. I'll tell He's the still Cubs, on the Cubs payroll. By, by, the, by the way, just a couple days ago, Thomas Hatch, double A Tennessee, seven innings, no runs, uh, no hits, and four strikeouts. So he <laughs> wasn't. Let me tell you something, Murph. Let he wasn't drafted. Yeah. Jen Ho Singh was just released uh, by the club. Yes, he was. He was the next. He was the next great thing at single A. Rag arm lefty. Rag, rag arm lefty. Go ahead. It's it, 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 it's 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 an industry joke. We've got arms at single A. Every what? team has huh. arms at single A. Well, this guy's okay, moved up to double. He's moved up to double now, and he was there, he was one high draft. Cloud is at eight drafts, and they and same Dylan same. Cease was the only one, and they threw him in. Hey, listen, they can't all work out. <laughs> Single A and double A are all the same to me in that respect. We have arms down there. Every team has arms down there because you have to have arms down there. you got to fill out your roster. But uh, Jen Ho Singh, I watched 
four years ago, Murph. And I actually liked him. I watched him closely. I liked him. Then he had a bad mo- moment. Then another bad moment. Then an injury. Then another bad moment. Then he comes up here. He came up and he here and they had the spot start him. He got hammer jacked. And let me tell you what kind of a prospect he was. He was a Scott Boris client, or still is. I don't know. Maybe Scott's dropped him. He was a Boris client. Maybe Boris Scott's used to talk him. this guy up. You know, <laughs> John Hill saying, John Hill saying, and then nothing. He's gone. He was. He, he's the next. So it's almost like next up, next up. And this is why Theo had to do what he had to uh, do. And Murph, I, I wrote about it today. I mean, the path back to a championship. You know, someone tweeted at me. Oh, it's Kimbrel. No, it's not Kimbrel. It's not an even an added hitter or a leadoff man. It's the five-man rotation. Look what Hamels and Katana just did. These five guys are getting paid, you know, gobs of money. I mean, just huge sums of money. They've got to perform. They don't have a true number one. But they also should have better than a true number five. Katana should be better. So somewhere in there they have twos and threes and maybe a four, and that is the path back to the top of the standings. Not any of this other stuff. The bullpen's already stabilized. The hitting's good enough, up and down. Up and, you need those five guys to step up and, and earn their paycheck, and they two of them finally did. There's a line here in in your story today, and people can go get it at ESPNChicago.com. Uh, can Cubs recapture missing winning vibe in 20, of 2016 champions? It says here, starting pitching has been the Cubs' identity when they've been at their best. You can just you could have just wrote that and stopped at that point. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I started that piece out. Thinking about Theo and Jed walking through the clubhouse in 16 before opening night. And they were to recall this later. They just had this feeling. They had this vibe. Now, that's just kind of talk, right? But what was that 16 team really about? Okay, yes, they had a grinding, great offense. But that was an historically good starting staff. The best starting staff since 2011 and since 2016 in the majors. Lowest ERA since 2011 was the 16 staff. That rotation. That's how you find your way back. Now, the Cubs had some other intangibles, deeper team. They had a great team, obviously. But it was led by that starting rotation. They need that again here because that's where all the money is tied up in. Jesse Rogers. All right, now, Jesse, this has been floating around. I don't think I buy into it. But uh, you might be the perfect how, – how long have you been a uh, uh, happily a married man now, uh, Jesse? Uh, all three months. Okay, here's, <laughs> there you the, go. here's the question. Now, this has been floating around. Uh, when, when Wilson Contreras and Kyle Hendricks got married a, a year and a half ago, they uh, came out the slow and uh, the, the next year. Rizzo and Bryant, I believe, just got married this past, right? No, Rizzo, uh, two Bryant, years two ago. years ago. Bryant, okay. Yeah. So, uh, Jesse, are you having a slump right now with your reporting? <laughs> Um, how can you tell the difference with me? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and when Fred said, Fred said, you should have stopped right there. He gets paid by the word. No, that's right. What are you talking right. about? Stop after I've one been, great sentence. I've been in a four-year slump. I'm kind of like the Cubs. I peaked in 16. I've been working my way back. All right. All right. Rapid fire. We're up against the clock real quick. Uh, so, Chris Bryant, you, you had an interest in his little son. By, now, Jesse was talking about Jason Hayward the other day, and this was pretty good. Jason Hayward told me this. When he got hit down in Atlanta in the head, uh, when he came back, you know, based on adrenaline, he was fine. But then the carryover to the following year, he was not exactly the same timing-wise and everything else. All right, good stuff there. Now, when was Chris Bryant uh, hitting the old uh, coconut, as uh, uh, Jason Bonetti called it last night? Yeah, but last May, correct? Mm-hmm. It was last May, late, late, early yeah. in the season, April, May, I, I don't know the exact date, but yes. What's, wrong, what's wrong with Bryant? 
I don't know. Okay. Timing. <laughs> That's, you know, whenever someone, a guy doesn't know anything about, mm. you know, they have an answer on hitting, you say timing. You say timing. He's in between. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's in between. I will tell you, I've not been able mm-hmm. to talk to him all week. He's kind of sure. been in his own, you know, world because of these struggles, I think. I think he's frustrated from what I'm told, but I don't know. Okay. I mean, but I, 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 see I, what thought you're of, at. I thought of him when I heard you talking. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jason Hayward told me this when he got hit down in Atlanta in the head. Uh, when he came back, you know, based on adrenaline, he was fine. But then the carryover to the following year, he was not exactly the same timing-wise and everything else. <laughs> I wouldn't be either. You know, I'm not, I'm not making light of anything. Yeah, yeah it's worth exploring. It's uh-huh. worth exploring it. But it may not even be something he knows. Sure. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that It could just be baked into his process there where... There's a flinch. There's a whatever. I don't know, but it's a, it's something to explore for sure. He also seems to get more aggravated on called strikes than he's ever gotten. Well, they've expanded him. I saw some <laughs> interesting stuff online where this year his zone is bigger. I don't know. That could be all of baseball. Hey, uh, Jesse, real quick. So uh, speaking of... Uh, Jason McLeod is still on the Cubs payroll, uh, director of minor league scouting <laughs> development. Now, how about Ian Happ? Uh, this is a blown first round pick, number nine overall in 2015. I just looked up his uh, Iowa Cubs since he's been down there. I don't want to go to the minors. He's seven hits and 31 at bats. So his slash line is 226, 273. 323. Listen to this. He's got two walks, 10 strikeouts. He's doing worse now than he was doing, uh, you know, in spring training when they uh, didn't yeah. like him. Yeah, that hole in the swing just is oh. getting bigger, or at least it's it, it's not shrinking, that's for sure. Mm, that's so, no good. He might, I, I always thought Edwards was going to be a shorter-term project than him, and it sounds like Edwards is doing okay. I, I Half definitely was going to be a, a not a several weeks, but several months project, in my opinion, and it looks that way. Okay, two guys right now, uh, red hot, hotter than a depot stove, as uh, Hank Stram used to say when you'd call Marfanchi and Mister Stram. Don't know why. <laughs> All right, halfway. Listen to this. Uh, Contreras has already hit half as many homers as last year. Five now, ten last year, and Jason the say hey the say J hey kid. Hayward four compared to eight. So right now, Contreras and Hayward half of their home run total from last year. Don't you love comeback stories that actually work? Sure. I mean, you Darvish, you Darvish is still working on his, but um, especially Contreras. We knew the talent was there. It's so great to see it come back. And and even with Hayward, you just knew there was more power there because he's such a big, strong guy. Mm-hmm. And he and he's and if he runs into eighteen to twenty, that's that's a great season for him. Huh. But no doubt, Contreras is such a key for this team. To get offense from that position, not every team can get it. It allows for Schwarber to have a slump or Brian to have a slump. Honestly, seriously, think about it. If, if you have your normal catcher, you know, that's just okay, whatever. The Cubs would be in big trouble these first 12, 13 games with those other guys slumping. Contreras has been huge. That's a huge, huge X factor for this yeah, lineup. They're in trouble without Caratini. We're running out of time. Jesse, yep. the last thing, no time to comment, but that goofy play where uh, uh, Baez... Uh, he rolled the ball to third. He tried to fake like it hit him, and then there was a double play. To, but no one talked about this. So the throw comes into the catcher. He tags out whoever it was coming home for the out. Then did you see what happened next, Fred? Just The catcher gave the ball to the ump. The ump put the ball in his pouch. Then the catcher said, give me the ball back. The ump gives him the ball back out of his pouch, and they tag Baez for the double play to end the inning. Isn't that a dead ball, Mr. You umpired the Northbrook Little League, right? You were an ump. 
Yeah, he, he wasn't out because of the tag. He was out because he didn't run. If that, All right. like there is a rule. The there is a rule. Uh, giving up yeah. the uh, player, uh, whatever. Exactly. Okay, very good. Yeah. You're hired back $7 an hour. <laughs> Northbrook Literally. Be out there at noon today. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Jess. I, I, I need a little side gig here. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah, throw both umpires out of the game. Hey, you're out of the game. <laughs> See you guys. All right, buddy. Jess. Jesse Rogers. Let's talk a little Masters Golf next. Uh, one of our favorite guys, Peter Longo, the king of clubs. You see him with those golf tips on uh, Channel 9 to Dan Rohn over the years. He's the best. He's next. Murph and Fred, till noon. It's ESPN 1000. Great Saturday, Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, nine till noon. But don't forget, at noon no, we're get, we actually have the White Sox game. Cool. We have the White Sox Yankees game here. Did it stop raining? Uh, I don't know. I know that they're trying to get it in today. The lineup pretty much the same uh-huh. uh, with uh, Eloy Jimenez hitting sixth, and uh, we'll see if he can put another one out of Yankee Stadium. Later on in the show, we'll talk yeah. about launch angles oh, because yeah. of the homers the Cubs hit yesterday and the ones that uh, Jimenez hit yesterday. Interesting stuff. For uh, homers for both the Cubs and uh, the Sox yesterday, we'll get back on the baseball beat in a few minutes. Felix, give me a little, uh, give me a little golf masterful uh, music right there. Ah. Let's bring in one of our favorite guys, longtime Chicago guy, the king of clubs. Ah, he, a, a great instructor, a great uh, golfer, loves the game of golf, uh, trick shot artist supreme. Peter Longo joins us now. Murph here, foot alongside. Morning, Peter. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, good to be with you this morning. Nice intro music. I like it. Oh, <laughs> always for you, Peter. Fans, say hi to Peter Longo. All right, uh, Peter, you know, I get out there about four or five times a year and uh, uh, with lovely Dana, and uh, we don't bring a scorecard because we want to just enjoy the day, you know. But That's the way to do it, yeah. And uh, But so... I'm not going to uh, ask a specific question. I'm just going to say, what have you seen? Uh, what's your feel uh, here on uh, moving days? <laughs> uh, tell, tell us what stuck out in your mind, what you see. It's all yours. Just uh, give us a little well, random thought. Yeah, looking at the Masters, I don't, I can't remember a leaderboard this solid uh, with this many great players at the top uh, in recent memory. The, we have five guys tied for first, and all five of those uh, fellows have won major championships. And uh, uh, and then you have Dustin Johnson and Tiger Woods just one shot behind those guys. So there's plenty plenty of experience at the top, and you're going to need that to negotiate this Augusta National Golf Course. And Augusta National, you know, if you've never been there, uh, it, it's a lot harder than it looks on television. Uh, uh-huh. Television has a tendency to flatten out the uh, the terrain, but it's a very hilly golf course. It's a physical walk. It's it's quite narrow and it's extremely long. Now, if the weather changes this weekend, which is supposed to get some rain today, uh, this morning, but they're playing right now. It's supposed to get really windy this afternoon, and it's supposed to be nasty tomorrow afternoon. Uh, you know, the, the stronger players, the players who are physically stronger and who hit the ball longer are going to have a, uh, an advantage there. 
But from mm-hmm. an experience standpoint, <clears throat> all the guys at the top of the leaderboard, uh, they've been there. And so it's anybody's game right now. And, uh, uh, you know, Francisco Molinari is, is uh, uh, you know, you've got Molinari, you've got Adam Scott, you've got Brooks Kepko, who's won three of his last uh, six major championships. Louis Oosthuizen, who won the British Open, and Jason Day, PGA championship, uh, champion. They're all up there, and they can, they've can. they all been in this spot before. They all know what to do. And uh, and there's really a number of stories with all of them. Uh, Jason Day was, has been bothered by back trouble. Sure. And his, his wife yesterday told him, just go out there and suck it up and play. <laughs> and he went out and he, went out and he shot 67, so he's, he's tied for the lead, and, uh, which was great advice. And, uh, uh, you know, we've got one young kid there, well, Justin Harding. He's from South Africa. He's not young. He's 33, but he's playing in his first Masters. And we've only had one guy since 1935 who won the Masters the first time that they played in it. That was Fuzzy Zeller in 79. So I don't know if Justin Harding's going to be able to pull that off. He's playing really good right now. And, of course, the Tiger Woods story. I mean, everybody wants to know, you know, Tiger, 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 Tiger. And these other guys that they're going to be, somebody asked me, they're going to be a little afraid of Tiger Woods. Uh, when they start to hear the roars from uh, out there, and I said, none of these guys are afraid of Tiger Woods, and uh, uh, they've been playing better than him for the last ten years. So uh, it's Tiger who's going to have to deal with his emotions, I think, more so than the other guys. Yeah, so it's going to be a great finish. My wife, lovely Dana, said the other day, "Suck it up and go clean the garage." Yeah, <laughs> you know, were you surprised yesterday? I mean, guys like uh, was it Shoffley with a seven under and Ustazen with a six under? I mean, uh, that these guys were able to match so much yesterday. What was the difference yesterday compared to the opening day? Well, I think uh, you know sometimes the guys get a little bit, a little more comfortable after playing the uh, you know the opening round. The nerves are a little bit more under control. Okay, Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley is probably uh, the the, uh, the unknown the unknown big star of the week because he's really a fun, good player and he's uh, you know he's won a couple of times uh, this year and. Uh, uh, he may be able to sneak right in there and uh, uh, and take you know, and take take the lead. I don't know. He's, there's an awful lot of competition there. I mean, even behind those guys, you have guys like uh, Phil Mickelson, who at 48 uh, he would be the oldest major winner if he won here. He's only three shots out of the lead, and Matt, Matt Kuchar, John Ram, uh, he's got a lot of really good players. So. The stories there. There's, there are a lot of stories, and the weather I think is going to really factor into this weekend. And uh, that's when you have to get mentally tough when you play in that really bad weather. And uh, and other than lightning or puddles of water mm. on the golf course, they're they're going to play. And uh, you know then it then becomes a mental game as well. And one other thing about the Masters that a lot of people uh, I think don't really understand those greens out there. They're very undulating, and and the players to play that golf course well, you have to hit your your approach shots in the same quadrant of the green where the pin is. If if you don't, if you're 25, 30 feet away, 
you've got some undulations and and it's very easy to three putt and you're not going to make any birdies if you're going to get if you get out of that same quadrant where the pin is and that's very very important and that's where experience out there really comes in where these players have been there before and know what it takes to get into those particular areas yeah most of us listening yeah. right now it's easy for us to three putt on a flat green yeah. so yeah we can understand <laughs> I, 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 find, yeah. I find two or three beers makes it easier visiting with <laughs> visiting as long as you're not keeping score like you well, said yeah. yeah why would i yeah. peter long yeah, you don't care yeah. <laughs> our, our, our golf expert with murphy but i had some some sort of off the wall goofy things number one have you ever seen a security guard who's trying to protect a golfer actually wipe out on the wet grass slide into tiger woods and uh, take almost take him out like a uh, football player no uh i've never <laughs> seen that before but in my own career when I was down in Atlanta, I was walking through the clubhouse and I tripped and fell into Gerald Ford, <laughs> and, 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 and I was immediately lifted off the ground by three security guards. I thought and, it was uh, supposed to be the other way around with Gerald Ford, you know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, they, and they, you know, uh, they played that clip more than they played any of the shots <laughs> yes. uh, of the guy sliding into oh. Tiger Woods. So it can happen out there. All right, let's see. How about this one? I. Now, I heard uh, maybe a, that uh, a, a, a ball landed, uh, evidently, in, uh, not just in the golf cart, but a ball landed in the golf cart cup holder. Did, did you hear that one? And what's the ruling on that? Just don't land in my beer, you know. Well, that's a hard shot from there, Murph. I'll tell you, you get it, you get it out of there. But okay. If it lands, if it lands in the equipment, you can get a free lift out of there. All right. Well, now, speaking of this is a little more serious. Zach Johnson. Okay. Uh, he's the uh, short-hitting uh, Midwestern everyman uh, who famously laid up on all-power fives en route to winning the 2007 uh, Masters. That, that was the year you were there, I think, uh, visiting yeah, uh, right. with, uh, with uh, Sergio Garcia and everybody. But so uh, Johnson took a practice swing on the 13th tee, <laughs> but he hit the ball on the practice the swing. It hit the edge of the driver caromed off a T-marker, I've done that before, uh, and advanced a few feet. But now here, because, now here's the ruling, according to uh, the AP, uh, because he did not intend to hit the ball, he was able to re-tee without penalty. I, never, I, thought that, I thought that was a uh, you know, two-shot penalty when you hit it. Or What's the deal there? Well, that's because the ball had yet... Had uh, not been put put in play yet. It's similar to when you address your tee ball and you touch it with your club and it falls off the tee, right. and it's no penalty. You put it right back up because the ball hasn't been put in play. Mm-hmm. And that happened out on the golf course. <laughs> and he had taken a practice swing, yeah. let's say for his second shot, and hit the ball. Then he would have had to take that count that as a shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, but because he hadn't started play of the hole yet, and uh, was clearly not intending to hit the ball. Uh, you can t- retee it again. So we know right off but the bat. Kind of funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For all yeah. the for all the old timers out there, um, you know, like like Ralph Cramden and uh, Ed Norton said, you must address the ball first. He didn't address the ball, Hello, so it was ball. it did not count did, as a stroke. He, right, he did not address the ball. That's correct. Now, uh, did, did, there this, we go. did this really happen? I heard, but didn't see it, that someone out there whiffed. And uh, that makes everyone feel a little better. Uh, did, did you hear? I just heard that on like a no. national report, and uh, someone whiffed out there. But maybe he's trying to, you know, cover it up and not tell anyone. Well, that that I hadn't heard. And uh, if somebody did 
Okay. If a professional actually swung and missed the ball, <laughs> I'm sure you'd try to cover that one, uh, cover that one up. I, that's something I have never seen mm-hmm. or heard of in all the years I've been in, in the game. Now, I'm a pro anyway. Speaking you know. of Sergio Sergio Garcia. Who uh, I, I know uh, you had a, a nice acquaintance with over the years. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine, right? Uh-huh. Cool. Now explain this one uh, to me. Uh, because of the ten-shot rule, only twenty-two of eighty-seven players will miss the weekend. Big That's names, uh, big names uh-huh. uh, exiting include uh, Justin Rose. Four over. There he is, Serge Garcia. Number Sergio. one player in the world. Yeah. Four yeah. over. Uh, is it Brandon uh, Sh- uh, Schnett? Uh, Schnedeker, uh, five uh, over. Schnedeker, right. Paul Casey, ten over. So I don't know, and maybe uh, many, li- what is the ten-shot rule, uh, Peter Longo? Well, they at the Masters, they, uh, they cut to the low 50 and ties after 36 holes. However, if you're, uh, uh, if you're within ten shots of the lead, you, you still make the cut. So uh, let's say the low 50 and ties uh, are all eight, nine shots behind the leader. And now you're in 54th, 55th place, but you're within 10 shots of the lead. You still make the cut because they feel those players still have an outside chance. And uh, that's a special rule that they have at the Masters. Mm -hmm. So all the the players that are within 10 shots of the lead uh, make the cut. Uh, Let me ask you this uh, as we uh, say goodbye, Peter Longo. By the way, uh, you're going to be teaching again in the area, right? The, the yes, uh, preserve at, uh, at uh, Oak Meadows. Yeah. I'll be over at uh, preserve at Oak Meadows. Uh, most people know it as Oak Meadows. Okay. Over in Addison, and uh, people want to get a hold of me there. I'll be back next week. I'm still in Phoenix. I'll be back next week and start teaching right away. Our golf course has been redone, and uh, it's it's beautiful. And they can just call me over there at the course or go on Peter Longo Golf Show. Dot com and um, all my contact numbers are there. Cool, Peter. Uh, a golf tip of the day or the a golf tip of the year. Uh, we're going to ask you now. In fact, okay. one one for the uh, you know occasional weekend warrior, you know, like myself, <laughs> and one for the low handicap guy in general. So let's start with the uh, the okay. du- the weekend duffer gets out there a few times a year. What's one easy thing that you could maybe suggest now? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, if you're, uh, this is for really everybody, but if you play just once in a while, mm-hmm. the one thing that you, you probably won't do is putt very well. Here's a great putting drill that I use a lot for my students and myself, too. You could do it indoors or outdoors. Just take a an ordinary yardstick, a metal one or a wooden one, put it on, on the ground, and then just putt the ball uh, down the yardstick. And to, to make the ball stay on the yardstick for the entire three feet, you have to stroke right straight through the putt and straight straight ahead, which is how you have to hit a putt when you're on, on the golf course. If you pull the putter across the ball or push it to the right or left, the ball's going to roll off the yardstick before it gets down to the end. And you just keep putting that way until you can make the ball roll down the entire length of the yardstick, and then your stroke is going straight through the ball, and that's going to help you make a lot of putts. All right. And, uh, yeah, and then for somebody who's uh, you know a little more accomplished players, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I always uh, recommend is to make sure that they stay in a very, a really good, still rotating position on the backswing, so they don't have a lot of movement in the legs. Uh, they just hold your position over the golf ball. And good players, when they start to get out of sorts, they start to move a little bit, 
and now they're off the center line, and now they start to miscontact the ball. So just stay in a nice still position as you rotate your shoulders, and then come back and just hit it. And like you do, Murph, have fun. Well, you were just talking, Fred. Uh, Peter was talking to everybody that works here. Everybody that works here is a uh, like a three uh, a three handicap. I've never seen any of them play. No, but they're all three handicaps. I don't know, how, you know, when they work. <laughs> well, that's uh, you know, being able to talk a good game is part of the development of a, of a real good golfer. So there you go. Important. Hey, Peter, always a pleasure. Let's catch up once more mid summer and uh, talk about the great sure game of golf. Peter Long, L O N G O. Check it out. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Thanks, Fred. Uh, crank up that music, there, Felix. Relaxes me. The only thing we have to do right now is for all the people listening out there is uh, you have to go find a yardstick at a garage sale or something. (laughs) Because the last time I had a yardstick was Uh probably 84, 85. And I thought that was when your uh, high school gym coach tried to smack you with it. Well, that too. Uh, Then he would just just use his hands after that. No big deal. (sighs) Hey, Murph and Fred, we'll get back on the baseball beat. Lots to cover. Murph's yellow pad. Wayne Mesmer is going to stop by. Maybe around 11 o'clock our 35th anniversary of singing the national anthem and everyone knows of wayne but maybe you don't know wayne so we'll cover that and they've more. never heard wayne talk probably they've only heard him sing. that's right that's yeah. right and last chance uh for these two twitter polls vote right now cup fans do you regret the quintana for eloy jimenez dylan c's trade yes or no and Sox fans is Eli even better because you fleeced the Cubs to get him? Yes or no? Vote now. I can't wait to get those results from Felix. ESPN. Vote now at ESPN 1000. One, two, three. Welcome back. Busy day. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. Who's Brock and who's Brolio? Here's an idea. Google it up. Don't have time. I'm not in the mood either to talk about it. You know, if you look at it right now, the White Sox and Cubs have some similarities. They're both in fourth place. They've both lost eight games, and they're both three and a half games out. That's right. Good one. So I have both standings here, and I didn't even put uh, one and one together there. Look every, at that. Everybody in the National League Central won yesterday. The Cardinals have won five in a row after oh, sweeping yeah. the Dodgers. Now the Brewers went to, to Los Angeles, and they beat the Dodgers last mm-hmm. night. So, yeah, baseball's fun to watch. Padres are in t- on top of the NL West. Uh, Machado and Tatis, I think, with home runs last night. Tatis hasn't even warmed up yet. You never know. First year, guy, it's tough, you know? Really quick, really yeah. fast, great, yeah. great defensive player. You know, you look... You know, so the White Sox went out and signed his brother. I didn't know that. Yeah, this week they signed his brother. So you know, you look at Eloy, and we're trying to figure out which which guy, you know, which uh, old pitcher they'll trade him for. Thanks. You look at Eloy, and there's a laundry list of names of rookies that became stars, Hall of Famers. Uh, Ryan Sandberg, the first one, I think he went one for twenty three. Sure. There's. I don't want to say dozens, but I'm sure there are. There's uncounted, uncountable numbers of times where, you know, that first month, it looks like 
or maybe even back to AAA for a while. And Eloy, not that he was scuffling, I don't think it would be, but his numbers were low. He was hitting two seventy nine. No, no. I mean, he had right. he had had twelve hits. Eleven of those were singles. So now he has fifteen hits this year. Twelve are singles, hmm. and you know, or uh, thirteen in singles, a couple of homers. Well, here's so. his uh, slash line: uh, batting average on base and uh, slug. Now, now in one day, the slash line looks like, hey, this guy, this is what we want. Three, 319, right. 360 on base, 468 slug. Yeah. You know, for rule of thumb, a great, great, great slash line in general is a 300, 400, 500. I mean, that's all star. That's, you know, that's what you want. So 319, 360, 468 after uh, three hits, two homers, three ribeyes right. last night, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's getting there. He has struck out 14 times, but you know what? Nobody in baseball cares about strikeouts anymore. <laughs> so it's always, and you know, the stats were run earlier this week. Brian Kenny on the MLB Network talked about there are more of the three outcome at bats this year yeah. than there have ever been with the strikeout homer or walk. Yeah. And uh the Yankees, they announced last night, I think it was I think it was Jason Benetti, he said the Yankees have more homers so far at this point this year than they ever have had in their history. <laughs> I did hear that. Their history. Yeah. You remember they had they had guys like Gehrig and you know Madeline Maris and you know Gehrig and Ruth. They've got more homers and they've got their 12th man went on the injured list yesterday as uh, Gary Sanchez goes on the IL. So a nice, I know, so a nice outing by uh, Cole Hamels. Tremendous and, outing. And now, this was from Sully today, our buddy Paul Sullivan in the Tribune, just one of those little funny sort of one-liners he'll pop in on you out of uh, nowhere. He's talking about Hamels. And, uh, Hamels did what he uh, needed to do. Avoid balls getting up in the air and landing on the famous Wrigley uh, Field the side streets, you know, Waveland and Sheffield. But here, Madden said after the game, now listen, this is funny. He says, quote, man, nobody in his right mind, you know, talking about Hamels, would want to pitch with the wind blowing out on a day like this. Uh, so then, uh, of course, Sully says, so perhaps Hamels was the perfect candidate to pitch. Uh, in other words, a guy not in his right mind. Well, this Hamels must must be a either wacky, fun piece of work. And it's not like he struck everybody out either. They still hit the ball. He only struck out six guys over the eight innings so and gave up just four hits. No, so, wa- no walks, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, well, for, for two games, their starting pitchers have walked one guy. And so that's a key. The bullpen, we'll get to this and much, much more after the break. The bullpen for the Cubs, all of a sudden now, 18 and two-thirds innings with zero earned runs. So we'll cover that. Lots to do. Also, you'll a, a, a surprise in the Cubs lineup. Ooh, today? today? Yes. Ian Happ uh, back up starting? No, even more of a surprise, maybe. <laughs> Ian Happ. Will we ever see him again? At Clark and Addison. Back in a flash, much more to cover. It's Murph and Fred at CSPN 1000. Vote now. When you are with us, thanks for listening. Murph and Fred, now until yeah. noon. Nice one today. Uh, Cubs and uh, Angels at 120. Tomorrow, it's supposed to snow. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be fun. 
Now, you were uh, mentioning, by the way, we're going to talk baseball now. Any of our earlier topics, I see we have a few callers that have been nice enough to hold. 332-3776-312-332-3776. We will seed the clouds with some thoughts and uh, ideas and topics if you want to create your own thoughts and uh, ideas and topics three three two three seven seven six we will soon get the results last chance vote right now cup fans do you regret the quintana trade giving up eloy and dylan cease yes or no Sox fans can't wait to get the results from felix on this one is eloy Sox fans even better because you fleeced the cubs you can vote at ESPN 1000 or vote on the radio 3323776 you're talking about the what starting lineup starting for the, lineup for your Chicago Cubs something uh, uh-huh. a little out of the ord yeah something a little bit uh, different so did Joe Madden do this or did the propeller head send it down we'll never know uh, no we don't we will never know uh, Descalso's leading off at second base then you have uh, Zobrist in right mm-hmm. uh, Rizzo at first so Bodie is the key is that the guy that is a little different? No, Bodie's, Bodie's playing. At first. No. Rizzo at first. Oh, Rizzo's playing. Yeah. Brian needs a day off. He's got one. All right. Yeah. Bodie at third. Javi Baez at short. Hayward center. Mm. Contreras. I'm sorry. Contreras. Uh, catching Schwarber in left. Bodie at third, hitting eighth. And uh, Kyle Hendricks is mm. batting uh, ninth and pitching. 121st pitch. I saw Stratton. I thought it was Monty, but it's not Monty the, uh, or the Angels. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. Uh-huh. The uh, what? The Chris Bryant story, like the Monty Stratton story. The Chris Bryant story is amazing. I know, Fred, uh, that you've been on from the beginning, and we talk about the uh, launch angle. Yeah. I, I know you had some... Uh, well, and the launch angles, I mean, and remember when he was on with Waddle and Sylvie earlier this year, he said, you know what? I'm not like the king of launch angles. Everybody thinks that. And my dad taught me years ago, and he learned this from other people, uh, and that was that you want to get the ball over the infielder's heads. You want to put the ball into the outfield. You don't want to hit ground balls. If you're, if ground you're balls a big, out. strong guy. I mean, right. but not like this Kelso or... Yeah, Nick Madrigal's yes. not going to be putting right. the ball you okay. know, over the infielder's <laughs> heads when he comes up to the White Sox. Uh-huh. But yesterday, the three homers the Cubs hit that were launched big time, okay? Mm-hmm. Contreras, his launch angle was 28 on his first homer, which went 460 feet. Wind helped. 443 a second one, launch angle 29%, mm-hmm. and Rizzo's 30%. That's pretty high. His was a high one, okay? Well, they saw the wind blowing out, too. Yeah, so you see 28, 29, and 30. For those people watching the White Sox last night, mm-hmm. Aloy Jimenez hit two homers. Big, 20, 23%, 24%. Big, strong man. Line, dri- line drives yeah. as opposed to high. So there was no launch angle there. He just hit the crap out of the ball. As Ron Santa used to say, too big to be a man, too small to be a horse. So a lot of his homers, I mean, in years past, in the minor leagues, he would put on a show knocking out lights in the minor league ballparks up high in left field. The two homers he hit yesterday, 23 and 24 percent line drives. Contreras, um, it was funny because both of those home runs took, I don't want to say it took a while to get out, but they were both concerned that it would be foul because they were both to pull down the line. The wind, excuse me, actually straightened them out. Because the wind blowing straight out will take a 
right-handed hitter's banana hook that looks like it could go follow the pull and push it and keep it, actually straighten it out. Yeah, and the Rizzo homer, I mean, 111.2 uh, exit velocity. Mm-hmm. His, his was the, the highest of the three homers we're talking about. Uh, 111 period, or 111 for um, Eloy's second one, the blast to left field. So when you hit home runs, you get good pitching, you're going to win games, and that's what the Cubs did yesterday. Four homers, Bodie with one of them, mm-hmm. and he's starting at third base today. And then the pitching you've got in the last two days um, with not having to go to the bullpen because eventually the bullpen will give up another run. <laughs> now they've not given one up in 19 innings. Think about it. Last week we're sitting here and everybody was saying, whoa, is the Cubs bullpen. Let's, it's awful. It's terrible. <laughs> well, now 19 innings without giving up a run. Well, let's get right back to the launch angle in a moment. But the last four Cubs game, lose, win, uh, last five, I'm sorry, from Sunday. They lost, they won, they lost, and now two win. The first two-game winning streak of the year, by the way. Here's how the bullpen. The Sunday game, Chatwood won in a third, Ryan won in a third, and Webster won in a third, so that was four scoreless. Monday, Brock two, Kinsler two, uh, Rosario two, and Strope two. That was eight innings. That's 12. Wednesday, the loss, uh, Ryan Webster Chatwood Collins... Uh, the little lefty, three and two thirds. Hey, you're not lying about little yeah. five foot seven. Oh, that's what he's listed uh-huh. as. Uh, Thursday, Cshek and Strope, uh, one inning each per f- uh, n- uh, no earned runs. And then yesterday, Kinsler, ninth inning, no earned runs. So, like you were saying, eighteen and two thirds or nineteen, whatever. Right. Scoreless bullpen innings, uh, and we'll get right to the phones if you're holding. But Fred, the, the launch angle, and it's so interesting and you're bringing it up and you've been on it from the beginning. Everything, that, I think baseball adjusts more than any other sport. Sometimes it takes a while. You know, it takes a year or two. For, and so you find weaknesses in the game. And uh, this, and this is stats, guys. Now and more than that, you got the electronic, Analytics and you know, all the, the other angle stuff. of like you just quoted all the uh, at bat, uh, the bat swing, right? Miles angle, per hour launch angle, and they know yeah. the pitches coming in. So for years, it's been a low ball, low ball, low ball, boom, boom, launch those out. Now to combat that, and here's where it gets interesting. As you were talking, the high fastball. What's that guy, Mad Dog? High Heat, right? Yeah. Is that his TV That's it. show? Yeah, Mad High dog. Heat. Now, Chris Russo, you have to do one of two things if you're the batter. Don't swing, and if it's a strike, well, now you're in trouble. And, but strike one, strike two, strike three. You got to swing eventually. And baseball's been trying to call the high strike a little bit more, not necessarily higher than usual, uh-huh. but you know, call the strike that they have not called over the years. But a level swing, and uh, I know we I've, we mentioned this a few times. So real quick. The St. Louis Cardinals, back in uh, January, we read a piece making a, some of the players a concerted effort to dump the launch angle. And what do you know? Back like the old days, swing level yeah. because they know to hit that high heat. You guys, and you say the Cardinals are doing pretty well right now. Yeah, Cardinals aren't bad. Uh, they are. <laughs> they are right now eight and five. They're a half game uh-huh. back in Milwaukee, and they've won five in a row. Two more other Twitter polls on the board right now. Okay, the uh, White Sox are four and eight. Will the White, yes or no, will the White Sox get back to 500? Yes or no? No time frame, just this season. The four and eight Sox, will they get back to 500? And you Darvish is 0 and 2. 
Will he get back to 500? All right. So vote now. It is Pen 1000. White Sox 4 and 8. Will they get back to 500? That'd be for White Sox fans, please. And you, Darvish, Cubs fans, he's 0 2. Will he get back to 500? Uh, let's get to the phones. Larry's on the south side. Now he's on ESPN 1000. Hey, Larry. Hey, Murph. How you doing, man? Good. Say hi to Fred. Hey, what's up, Fred? What's up, Larry? I, I, know, your, I, I know your White Sox guy, Fred, but listen, this is this is the reason why I left the field camp, okay? I used to support Theo, but now I've turned on Theo. This is why. The moment that he traded for Quintana, when he gave up Eloy Jimenez, okay, I didn't like that. But then he threw in dealing seats. I don't know how Han got him to throw in dealing seats and then, on top of that, you got to take in the salary. This is a win-win trade for the White Sox. This is not second-guessing. I felt this way the moment he made this trade. And I said that when he made this trade, that this trade is going to haunt Theo for the rest of his life because he panicked. Well, he, he did. did. Larry, stay on the phone, Larry. Uh, great great content from you, as always. He did panic, but he had to panic because his farm director, the, the, the draft man, the uh, development, uh, Jason McClellan, had not supplied one pitcher through the system and he still hasn't. But Larry, you gotta get more, and you gotta also tip the hat to Rick Hahn. You know, he had a, a, a commodity that people wanted, but how can you not try to get something better for these guys, uh, Dylan Cease and uh, Eloy, then a, then a you know basically a 500 pitcher that, as Jesse pointed out, can't string two quality starts together. Larry, yeah, that's, that's, that's my argument, Murph. Okay, you gave up uh, Eloy and Cease, but you got that's a that's a package for an eighth. That's not a you don't get that up for Quintana. You get that up for a, a Garrett Cole, yeah, a, a, a number one, yeah, and that's. That's the issue that I have, and Theo is the top paid executive in baseball. Hey, Larry, 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 you're not old enough, but you ever heard of a guy named Lou Brock and a trade for Ernie Brolio? Don't look it up. If you're you're too young, I don't want to ruin your day. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. Well, you got your own now. This is the Brock for Brolio. Thanks, Larry. Call again, buddy. All right, Murph. Thanks, Larry. See you later. 332-3776. They're telling me go to Steve from Elmhurst. Steve, is that you? Yes, it is. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm kind of going to agree very much uh, with your last caller because uh, the problem I had, I've been to spring training the last few years, and I got to see Dylan Cease. And I was more excited about him almost than uh, Eloy Jimenez. Now, Eloy, tremendous hitter. I thought two years ago he was ready for the major leagues as far as hitting goes. However, he's not a complete player, in my opinion, and, and I'll tell you why. Oh. You watch his, him in the outfield. Oh, he do we have to? Good, Steve? You don't, he does not take good routes on fly balls. He's not particularly fast. He's got a nice arm. He's got a really good arm. Except but last he, night when he airmailed the wet ball home. But go ahead. And the guy at first base should have. Right. And the guy at first base should have went to second base, and he didn't. He was standing well, at first base. Well, he went halfway, and then by the time he got back, he didn't have time. It was what an idiot. terrible base running. Yeah. Go, back, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, so in my opinion, uh, you know, he is not what I would term a complete player. I had a bigger problem with the fact that they traded Gliber Torres because. 
he's a complete player. He he's strong in every facet of the game. And I I had a bigger problem with the fact that they traded Dylan Cease because he was the one guy in their system that looked like a guy who could be a top-of-the-rotation starter. And to trade a guy like that for a guy who was a middle or back-of-the-rotation starter just doesn't make any sense. And you traded a a guy who's going to probably hit 30 homers at at some point or more. I don't think you need a complete – a good call. Thanks a lot, uh, uh, Steve. You don't need to be a complete player if – you know, hang on. If, you know, what if he goes uh, 40, 120 uh, every year? You, I think you can live with the, the last out of the game because the rain delay and we didn't right. know last night was that fly ball, I believe, was to Eloy. Yeah, it was. And he caught it like real nonchalant. I was thinking he was yeah. going to have trouble with the, with the rain yeah. and the wind, and he just sort of cherry-picked if it. If the but, ball's hitting near him, he's going to catch it. He can't. He runs tentatively. Like, he's got... Like he's got, you know, eggs in his shoes or something. He <laughs> runs real tentatively towards the ball. Now, I don't want to see him diving for balls in left field. No. You don't want to see that. He gets close anywhere close to the wall. He slows down. And then what's he do? I saw him. He went into the stands and uh, almost fell into the stands oh, on missed, one ball. I missed that one. Yeah, that was here on the <laughs> south side at, uh, at the six-game homestand. But he really is not. He does not take great routes. He doesn't get great jumps. He just doesn't seem to sprint after the ball, which is weird. Uh, right now, there's no doubt that of the left fielders, Kyle Schwarber is a much better fielder than Eloy Jimenez. You know, real quick, when you were talking about Sox, left field, Eloy, I flash back, Melky Cabrera. Did you happen to see this? Unbelievable cir- catch. I love the old expression, a circus catch yeah. he made on uh, Chris Bryant. Yeah, but tremendous catch. I heard a commentator somewhere go, well, he never made a play like that in his life. Let me tell you, when Melky played left field for the White Sox, anything he got to, he caught. He has a plus arm that people don't realize because he doesn't look like a defensive guy body wise but he's made those plays before yeah he has yeah yeah he's he's not he's not been a bad outfielder actually when he was with the white Sox, he was better than avi cubs fans Sox fans three three two three seven seven six cub fans do you regret the quintana trade uh, giving away eloy and dylan sees Sox fans, yes or no also, uh, is the Eloy, is Eloy even better because you fleeced the Cubs? Vote at ESPN 1000 or vote on the radio. 312-332-3776. Mark is next in Michigan City. He's been patient. Thanks for holding, Mark. We've been jammed all years. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, Mike. Hey, Fred. How you doing? Thanks for uh, letting me get on. Sure. Uh, one thing, Fred, that, uh, 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 Mike, that was a great question you put to Jesse Rogers. Where would Eloy uh, Geminis be if he stayed in the Cub organization? And that, and uh, he probably had the ability, like I said, his, his fielding's not that good as a lot of callers put out. But, you know, uh, Jim Rice played a marginal left field. Uh, George Bell did, went on to an MVP also. And he probably would be the, the, the Cubs' both best natural Right-handed hitter they brought up in the organization, or you know, best uh, outfield prospect maybe since uh, Billy Williams as far as power. Goes. Thought you were going to say Lou Brock. Go ahead. No. I'm just kidding with you. And oh, uh, the second really. part of my question is for Fred. Fred, I hate to beat a dead horse on this Manny Machado misdeal by the White Sox, but Forbes came out saying last year the White Sox had a net income of seventy-seven million dollars. Yep. With a terrible year, losing a hundred games, thousands of empty seats. 
Could you, you know, if you took away $32 million of that and, say, put it on Machado's, the, the, the team would have still made $45 million last year. There would be fans filling up the stadium, sell, selling memorabilia, concessions. Uh, it's so ridiculous that they didn't make him a bona fide straight $310 million 10-year deal. They weren't going to do it because Jerry Reinsdorf said, listen, I'll pay him three fifty, but he's got to show that he's going to be here. I'm not going to pay a guy to not play in years 9 and 10. That was Reinsdorf's opinion, and they weren't going to change that. Thanks, Mark. Call again, buddy, okay? Yes, sir. 3-3-2-3-7-7-6. Sure, it would be great to have Manny Machado. It would be wonderful to have Manny Machado at third base. Sox found their third baseman, though, by moving their second baseman over there. Here's a little back-of-the-envelope uh, fun, okay? Back-of-the-envelope math. Uh, <clears throat> the Cubs' inside sources tell me, and this, we'll relate this to the Sox, the Cubs consider about 80 bucks coming through for every fan that comes in, on the average. And that's the price of the ticket, which can range from you know, $300, $200, down to, you know, $15 or whatever on the Padres at night in uh, freezing weather, you know, in, in April. They look at $80, and that's the, the food that might be bought, the price of the ticket. I don't know what the White Sox, but let's, fact, let's just say $60 for round numbers because their tickets aren't as high-priced, you know. So if the White Sox were to draw one million more fans... Uh-huh. That would be $60 million. Uh, if they drew 500,000 more fans, that'd be about $30 million more. And uh, so you'd have to draw about four or 500,000 more fans to pay, you know, right. the Manny Machado. And I'm not making a editorial stand. That's just like numbers. And uh, so I don't know if that's appealing to an owner of any team. All right, if we spend $30 million on this player, we're going to maybe, you know, sell 500,000 more tickets, and that would cover the nut of, of that, you know. But TV goes up, maybe other revenue. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know. That's just sort of interesting to know that each team has a rule of thumb for every ticket sold. Here's the average of, you know, what we'll bring in, 80 bucks or or sixty bucks. So, it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't the point of him not wanting to spend the money. And when I'm saying him, I mean Jerry Reinsdorf. He did not want to pay a guy to not play years nine and ten. He was going to pay the money, and for everybody that you know, they did work. They said three fifty for ten years. If you can play in those, it wasn't quote guaranteed. And the only reason the White Sox lost out is because there was one other team out of the thirty. That said, we'll guarantee you that money. And it was the Padres. So, I mean, people can complain all they want, but Reinsdorf, it's, it's Reinsdorf. It's his job to run the team. He wasn't going to pay the guy for years 9 and 10 if he can't play. Let's see if Manny Machado's playing in years 9 and 10 and how the Padres feel paying $30 million to somebody who's not playing the game. Three three two three seven seven six. Uh, Mike is next. Hey, the Heights, Chicago Heights. Hello, Mike. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, you know... The other night, the Cubs struck out 16 times. And, you know, I understand it was a cold night and everything. But this Kyle Schwarber, six in a row. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Six in a row, and then he taps out. You know, does he need glasses? I, I'll, I'll give him mine. You know, I... <laughs> You know, I just, it's its unbelievable how this guy, you know, he, he tones down, he, you know, lo, you know, lost weight, you know, he's strengthening, and he can't, 
He can't even hit the ball. It's a mystery. Mike, and, and uh, stay on the line, Mike and Fred. Yes. Uh, now, to uh, dovetail this back to the topic of the Eloy trade, uh, which was in uh, the middle of uh, 2017. Now, at that time, Theo had Schwarber in left and Hayward in right, as he still, you know, basically does today. Now he's got Eloy down there. He needs pitching. At that point in time, Schwarber was, you know, I don't want to say can't miss because everybody can miss, as we see often now, you know, Ian Happ. But he wasn't going to trade Schwarber because he needed, he wanted to win right then. You know, he wanted to win right now again, back to back. He couldn't wait for Eloy a year and a half, so he couldn't trade Schwarber. In retrospect, I remember Ricketts. Uh, Mike, and for the, a, a couple of weeks ago on our station, was well, you know, the problem with the previous regime, uh, sometimes you have to not win every year, not play to win every year. Now, if they just said, you know what, well, let's trade Schwarber while the value is high, we'll stick, uh, you know, someone out in left field for a year or two. But they backed themselves into a pickle, but they didn't get enough for Eli. But Schwarber, I got no answer for you, Mike. I don't know what happened to him. Hopefully for Cub fans, it's just a you know, two-week slump, two-week blip. I hope so. <laughs> Give them your glasses. What are the odds? Yeah. What are the odds? I got, it's the I got a pres- good prescription. <laughs> you know, you ever think, look, I leave my glasses there. Someone's going to steal. Who would steal someone else? What are the odds it'd be the same? All right, Mike, thanks, buddy. You got it. Appreciate it. Yeah, even if you steal someone's glasses, if you don't have the same prescription, it costs <laughs> like $400 to change the lenses. It's not cheap. Yeah, what's the deal with changing that? Changing the lenses is ridiculous. When did the that lenses, lenses don't cost nearly as much money as the, you know, changing them. But yeah, I looked that, here. When did that happen? The Quintana deal was made July 13th of 2017. Coming up on the deadline, right. The Justin Verlander deal to the Astros was October. Right. But he was a, certainly available. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say certainly. Most likely available then. Well, you would have thought that if oh, you yeah. you would have thought that if you offered Detroit Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease at that point, <laughs> you would have been able to get a Justin Verlander. Well, that's just the thinking problem. how that would have changed because Verlander just signed a two year extension for sixty six million. See Quintana, you know, I call him a five hundred pitcher. Okay, that's what he Most is of the basically. Time, he's going to be ten and ten, twelve uh, and twelve. He's going to give you the innings. Miss a little, miss a lot. Jesse was on a little earlier, and. After quality starts, he did all the research for Quintana. Now, I don't know, is that just Cubs or even with Sox? Whatever, though, was a good sample size. He's had 22 quality starts after after those 22 games. He's 7-9. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You can't put two together. With a 5 ERA. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what he does in his next outing. And I don't know, like Jesse said, maybe he gets confident, goes to the mound, forgets a little things, lets up a little bit. But he's a guy that was always a 200-inning pitcher with the White Sox. He did it for like three or four years in a row. And since he's come to the Cubs, he's been 186, 177. Uh, Now, some of that has to do with Joe also at times, maybe going to his pen a little bit earlier in the analytics and all those things, not facing a guy for the third time and everything else, which has really popped up over the last couple of years. Could I say something about Joe? I love Joe Madden. Uh, Be careful what you wish for, Ricketts and uh, Theo. It's all about the money, in my opinion. All the other stuff is obfuscation, just muddying the water. Uh, They don't want to pay the manager $6 million next year but now they've all oh you know this and that and this and that it's amiable no it's not it's all money that's my opinion but and i love joe i'm always gonna love joe when it's cold out fred Uh the guy's from pennsylvania yeah and now i don't 
I don't mind. I, I used to. I used to hate it. The players wearing the mask. Okay, you know, if it's if mentally it helps them. You know, I, I remember Ned Coletti, the uh, longtime general manager, and I, said, right. and I asked him once, he says, he says, I don't care about anything they do with their uniform or that. If they think it helps them, fine. Yeah. And, okay, so, you know, I've sort of changed on that. So seven of the eight Cubs out there, because I don't think the, can, I don't think the pitcher's allowed to wear No, I don't mask. think so. But seven of the eight had the mask on. Okay, you know what? I used to bum me. But then I look at Joe. And I look at the other dugout, Clint Hurdle with the Pirates. He's got a baseball cap on and a pirate jacket. jacket. Yeah. Now, maybe he's got 10,000 layers underneath. I don't care. But then you look over at Joe, and, you know, he's got the stocking cap on like he's Jimmy Deshaies, for goodness sakes, up in the booth. Yeah, but Deshaies had that orange blanket wrapped around his shoulders. Not a good look. <laughs> well, he should have had at least cubby blue. Ben Casper had a good line. He's a little, you can go out hunting now, you know, with your orange on. Right. And, and then Joe's got the, the like, hood from the Cubs jacket over his head, and he looks freezing. Now, he gets thrown out of the game, right? Yep. Now, I had no problem with that. A lot of people cynically said, oh, he's just wanted to go get warm. Or, See, here's what he did. He, that umpire was bad for both teams. He was trying to hurry up the game, though, because they started it early because the rain was coming. Right. So the ump was calling every, a strike no matter where the pitch was. So there's Bodie up there that's below his knees, and Joe's has not a strike. So Joe went out there intentionally to get thrown out. We all know that because it's an automatic rule if you go out there. And the ump even said, don't come out, don't come out, you're out of the game. And it wasn't the big windmill heave-ho. It was just, go, oh, you're out. But Joe wanted to try to expand get the zone right for his pitcher and for his hitters. So I had no problem with that. But to wear that, that stocking cap, I didn't even like it when they were winning in 16, so I'm yeah. not being a hypocrite. That was the same day that uh, Kyle Schwarber didn't wear long sleeves. And uh, and Darvish didn't either. I, he didn't either. But did you see when Darvish batted, he had long sleeves. I didn't now, see that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of the team, whoever it was, goes, well, he put a long sleeve shirt on the bat. I don't, I don't think he went back in, took off. His jersey put on a sweat. He must have had some type of slide-on sleeve type thing, right? I wouldn't uh, think so, because otherwise, when you swing, like an arm would, warmer, it would come. Well, I don't know. They a make arm though. warmers. I don't know, like the compression things right. the NBA guys all wear. Yeah, three three two three seven seven six. Murph and Fred. Uh, we're gonna get all the results from the Twitter poll when we return from. Uh, Felix Reyes. Felix, uh, be ready when we come back. Last chance vote right now. Cup fans, do you regret the Quintana trade? Sox fans, is the Eloy trade even better because you fleeced the Cubs? And uh, the 4-8 and eight White Sox, Sox fans, are you going to get back to 500? You Darvish is 0-2. Cub fans, will he get back to 500? Vote now. 332-3776 at ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. And a good catch by you, Fred, about an hour ago. The uh, Cubs and Sox both out. Uh, in fourth place, right? Three both and in a half fourth games, place. Three and a half games out, right? Three and a half games back. They mm-hmm. both lost eight games this year. So the Cubs have one more win. 
Sacks have played one less game. Sox win 9-6 to six at New York. Uh, range shortened seven innings. A lot of action. The four home runs we've been talking about. Fred, you had uh, Eloy McCann and uh, Alonzo lined one off the top of the wall, it looked like, out there that in was right a, field. That, that ball had to be hit so hard. Oh. I, now, I know right field's not a blast at... Uh, you know, at Yankee, Yankee Stadium, yeah, but yeah. It, it I haven't seen a home run like that hit there in a long time. That ball never got more than like 15 feet no. off the ground. He's a hammer when yeah. he, you know, when, when he, he hits it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, and he's in, Abreu's struggling right now. He's not hitting the ball really all, all that well. Of, He'll be fine. And, you know, usually he struggles. The first week he was okay, yeah. which was surprising because he doesn't like the cold weather. Well, if he didn't like the cold weather, he probably didn't like the rainy weather either. And it rained yesterday so bad, I could not believe the yeah. game wasn't stopped earlier in the contest. Well, I think they fear bad weather Sunday. It's a, only three games. You're into New York once a year. It, it really bottles up everything yeah. with the one visit, the unbalanced schedule, as they call it. The Cubs with four homers also. Rizzo, a moonshot with the wind's help. Uh, the wind helped. And uh, Contreras, two also uh, moonshots. The wind helped. Uh, all three might have been homers on a no-wind day. Uh, it's hard to say. Bodie with uh, a little more of a uh, lower trajectory uh, a home run. Let's uh, let's bring in uh, Felix. Felix, we've been uh, looking at these Twitter polls for quite a while. Let's find out now what you uh, voted uh, for. Uh, let's start with uh, Cup fans were asked to vote uh do you regret the Jose Quintana, a little bad using me there, Jose Quintana for Eloy and uh, Dylan Cease trade, yes or no? Why not? I regret it. I regret it day one, so I'm not a, a hypocrite, not a second guesser. So I'm going to say, of course I do, yes, but I don't know. People still love Theo. Uh, I, I'm going to guess this is near the 50-50, Fred. You got uh, any... Uh, you're not. No, well, of course, Cubs six... fans allowed to vote only on this one. I forgot. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I won't have a comment on this one. Okay, Felix, you're a Cub fan. Did you vote? And what was the uh, result? All right, I did vote. I do regret the trade because at first I knew how big and how great Eloy was supposed to be. I mean, I know he's a prospect, but uh -huh. I was excited for it. Yeah, and so is the deal, uh, the Dylan Cease trade as well. Uh, with that said, the leading right now, what's leading is 65% are saying yes, 35% are saying no. So people do regret All this right. trade. Call it 66, 33, 2 to 1. I don't know uh, when the trade was made. You know, a lot of people loved it. That this guy's great, Quintana, uh, but this has changed. Well, the one thing, the, the, the day the deal was made. Oh, I remember that. I went out and said... That you look at this, and not only was this done for this year, it was done for the following years because he was under a team-friendly contract, mm -hmm. and the Cubs needed to go on out and do that because they weren't going to go on out and spend huge money on pitching. Little did I know they were going to get Darvish a couple years later. Mm. Um, but I understood the deal because they needed, they wanted him at that point to see if he could help them win another World Series. Right, okay, right. but if it didn't happen, they said, "Okay, well, it's not. Gonna, if it doesn't happen, we still have them for two more years." The spirit of the trade, I understand. Right. And you're exactly right. Point is, it all made sense except for the guys you gave up. Well, and you need more than a 500 pitcher back. 
you know, and maybe there weren't any out there. Maybe there was, nope. Verlander, whatever. Yeah. You, you can't, you know, you, remember the, the old thing. You got to know your own minor leaguers better than anybody else. In any sport, not that football and basketball have minor leagues, but you know what I'm saying. No, Stacy, Stacy, you know your personnel. KYP. Yep. If if you're Theo and you're uh, Jason McLeod, still on the payroll, you got to know your guys. Now I heard second, third hand that they never thought that Eli was. Uh, they didn't think he. It's sort of hard to. They didn't think he was. Had the right mental. They didn't think he was the right guy. Oof. Let me say, no, let me take away the mental. They didn't think he was the right guy. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, because. Not, not, not the, okay. He, they didn't think he was going to be the guy. Not after just physical, through, but okay. all over. Because after going through what they did with Solaire, I mean, size wise, you can compare those two guys pretty identical. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we saw Solaire not hustle on balls. We saw Solaire not hustle on the base pads. Now, we haven't seen enough of Aloy Jimenez here in the big league to see if we're going to see any of that stuff. But if they thought maybe what they saw with Solaire made them think Eloy's guy is a similar type player. See, that's what I was trying to say. In other words, both on the field and off the field, I don't think the Cubs felt he was the guy. Because is that a better way to say it? Yeah, because Jimenez is you can't I've not seen Jimenez where he wasn't smiling. I know. He seems like the happiest guy in the history of the world. And Dylan Cease even before his home run. From what I understand, they thought, and it still could happen, that his arm was going to break down again. He had TJ a long time yeah. ago. But they also felt, well, we can give him up and uh, you know see how, he, uh, see how his health is uh, for the next three, four, five years. Well, that we do not know yet. And you never do. But that's why they play, right? Yeah. All right. And a, and a quick quick thought here on the Dylan yeah. Cease thing. Yeah. Uh, I know we had a caller who called in and mentioned this as well, and I and I want to echo that and sure. agree with him as well. We also haven't had a pitcher that's come up our system, at least when Theo and Jed has been here, that's been like our guy drafted just like that. So having Dylan Cease mm-hmm. was a big deal for us. You know, we got Kyle Hendricks through a trade. We got a lot of these guys either through a trade or by signing. Well, right, because Dylan's, nobody came through the system. Correct. So right. keeping Dylan Cease was huge for that very reason. But again, that was like he's still not even up yet, and you know the the window opens and closes. I know what you're saying, yeah. But you, and it all goes back to the fact that Jason McLeod never developed the pitcher other than Cease, and you know, God love him, he ain't here yet. Yeah, yeah. Rick, Rick Cotton said before the season, the reason people asked if Dylan Cease would be up, and he said, "Listen, we're going to do the same thing with Dylan Cease we did with Michael Kopech. We need to see Dylan Cease get a certain number of innings in the minor leagues." at the level where what we want to see him at before we move him up. We did the same thing with Kopech. Kopech had the right amount of innings. We saw what we wanted to see. That's why we brought him up. So you can expect to see Dylan Cease up sometime probably in August or September. Probably August, maybe even July. I also understand the Cubs only have one real prospect pitching at AAA, Norwood. Uh, there's, you know, Maples, and here's no surprise, he walks the ballpark. He did it at A-ball, double-A, triple-A. He's done it everywhere. He's not going to stop. That's what he does. One per inning, you know. He gets his strikeouts, yeah. but he walks one the day, per inning. The day the Cubs drafted, the guy I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Thomas Hatch from Oklahoma State, I said he's going to be the next guy that comes to the Cubs to be a starter from their minor leagues. All right. I may still be correct. He'll because be the no, first one also. I was going to say, yeah. I might be correct. I do like the two guys they drafted out of LSU. Alex Lang and I can't remember the other guy's name. So they have some guys that 
when they drafted them, yeah. you thought they'd be able to make the next step. Alex, now they haven't developed them. Alex Lane, a famous uh, quiz show host. Oh, no, it was Trebek and, uh, and uh, the guy from the uh, that was, uh, dating game. wasn't Ted Lang. <laughs> Lang. Was it? Jim Something. Lang. Yeah, Jim the Lang. You know who Ted Lang was? Ted Lang was... Yeah. yeah. The bartender on the love boat. Yes. Yes. I, I used to like right. on the intros, you know, they'd show each guy smiling. Here's the person. Yeah. And then they'd... And Ted Lang. And he'd do that. He'd clap and then snap his fingers and do a thumbs up. He's right. the bartender. There you go. Yeah, he's cool. I liked him. Uh, Sox fans. How did they vote here? How did Sox fans vote? Is the Eloy... Is Eloy even better... Because you've Sox fans only allowed to vote on this. Is Eloy even better because you fleeced the Cubs? That's going to be eighty-five percent. I think it's ninety-nine point nine. Do we have any? Is it? Is this the first one hundred percent vote ever, Felix? No, but it's very interesting because it's <laughs> very close to the last poll question we had. It's sixty-eight percent yes and thirty-two percent saying oh, no. So does that mean Cub fans voted they, even against my they, rule? They might have voted as well. <laughs> I would think so because I can't imagine a White Sox fan would say that it's not as you know sweeter because he's not uh-huh. on the North side. Sox trailed in this game four to one after two, but two in the fourth, and then two more this inning, and suddenly it's a tie game. Mercado runs, Jimenez, a towering fly ball to center field, and it is up and out of here. Mount Eloy erupts for the first time. And that's the first of what is going to be many, folks, because if this young man stays healthy, he's not going to be a star. He's going to be a superstar. Here comes Eloy Jimenez, who last time up hit his first home run. Jimenez a drive. Deep left field once again. No chance. He did it one more time. We told you it was the first of many. We didn't necessarily mean tonight. When he comes to bat, don't go anywhere. Watch the at-bat. They're going to be wildly entertaining. Too big to be a man, too small to be a horse. Highlights NBC Sports Chicago. Okay. Uh, Jason Benetti, I'm just thinking he he uh, he, he had a little bit of... Uh, who was it? Britney Spears? Huh? Do it to me one more time. Huh. He used it in there. He did it one more time. Did it to me one more time. So he had a little bit of a, you know, a little Britney Spears in him yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had, by the way, once the game got delayed, finally in the seventh inning, by, uh, and with uh, the White Sox were still up, I think, after the second home run. I think McCann hit the home run. I don't think they were quite done in the top of the seventh inning. But once the game got delayed, Steve Stone and Jason Benetti went into a conversation about 10 to 15 minutes worth of baseball and money because of all these extensions that have been going on. And Stone went off talking a lot about stuff about when he was a free agent. And I didn't realize this or remember this. He said that when he signed as a free agent, there was a rule that you couldn't sign another free agent deal for five years. I never knew. I, I, said, I, I, I never heard that. that before. I heard most of that. It was They're talking about LBs from Atlanta. And, and you know, hey, you're a young guy. And they're going to give you like ten years at five, you know, fifty, you know, whatever they want. Take it, yeah. Because a lot of people, oh, he's hurting himself. He could get it more in the long run. You know what? Like anything can happen. Right. He's got this money in his pocket. They said the same thing. A lot of people yeah. said the same thing. The Achilles about can go. Aloy Jimenez. Get the yips. They said, why is Jimenez signing this deal? Get he he to... could probably get more. Mm. Yeah, he could. But now he's getting more now right. instead of waiting four years before he gets any big money. The four and in, uh, poll number uh, three next to four and eight to White Sox. Sox fans will get back to 500 this year. Yes or no? Fred, you want to vote? 75% said yes. All right, Felix? 
I'm going to say the same as well. All right. Okay. Well, I don't. We want to hear what the fans said. What do we have for the results? Number one, will the Sox get back to 500? Sox fans said. 29% are saying yes. 71% are saying no. Cub fans sabotaged. No, I don't think so. Really? I think Cub, I think White Sox fans are so aggravated with two things. that Three things. That the White Sox didn't sign Machado. They didn't go after Harper. Mm. And there are a lot of White Sox fans. Those are the ballpark on Tuesday, including one of the guys I was with, Jeff. This kid, Jeff. He, they, they, don't, they think Ricky Renteria doesn't know how to run the bullpen. You know what? When you bring in guys that aren't very good, you hesitate to go out there. Are you going to have Joe Madden managing oh. the Sox next year anyway? Nah, I don't want that either. Oh, I was at opening day. Yeah. I wanted an old style, right? I mean, that's, I'm the only guy. So I went to some uh, customer service booth. I said, where's the old style? And I'll give him credit for this. She goes, okay, boom, 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 boom. She goes, all right, section 219 uh, back up there. So there's one place, at least this is what appears, where you can get your old style. It was in the last row concourse of the main lower deck, but, you know, right. behind like the, the, where the old right field bullpen would be. Visitors, and So you're really looking down on Addison Street sure. and the wind's blowing. $12 for the one pour. It's a pretty big pour, but... yeah. Make it poor. I bought a nine and a half dollar beer on the south side. Twelve dollars, nine, nine, nine and a quarter. I was a it was a twelve ounce uh, Lagunitas IPA, and I it, the problem is they poured the twelve ounce Lagunitas IPA in a twenty ounce cup, hmm. so it only filled it halfway. That's weird. And I said, I looked at it and I watched them pour it, and I said. Okay, something's weird here. <laughs> and I said, "Can I?" I almost asked for another one so he could fill up the glass because I felt bad yeah. walking away after nine and a quarter and only half a beer. See, they don't want old style there. They don't want anything there that was there before they got there. Well, they just added about fourteen new beers. Yeah, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. They don't want any. They. I'm talking about the, not Tom Ricketts as much maybe as everybody else there from Boston and that, but maybe Tom They never from the beginning. Remember, they threw away the first thing they threw away all the Ron Sano stuff. They put it found in, fans found in the dumpster the next day. They didn't want anything that was there before they got there. But you know what? They won the World Series. Uh-huh. So everything's fine. Uh, final Twitter poll. We're up against the clock. Felix, Cup fans, everyone, you Darvish. He is 0 2. Will he get back to 500? Like, will the Sox get to 500 with their record? Will you Darvish get back to 500? Yes or no? I think he will. Maybe I'm crazy. I got him back to 500. And, you know, maybe a 12 and 10 year would probably be, you know, good. I don't know. What the fans say, Felix? 51% are saying yes. 49% are saying no. We love the teeter-totter when it's exactly halfway. Murph and Fred, more coming up. You know who Wayne Mesmer is, but do you know Wayne Mesmer? 35th anniversary of the other day singing, uh, take, uh, singing the, na- came here to the, ball. the national anthem. Longtime friend uh, Wayne will stop by uh, a visit over the telephone in a few minutes. But back in a flash, and yeah, they moved that start time up when the rain was coming to 6.30 on Thursday. That's a good move, I think. Very back smart. in a flash, ESPN 1000, yeah. Busy day. Glad you're with us. Let's get rolling. Murph and Fred. Real quick, Fred. So, uh, Caratini's out for four to eight weeks. Who knows? Yeah. He broke the handmade bone 
just swinging. Yeah. He didn't hit the foul ball. He wasn't hit by that pitch. That's weird. See, he had Theo had no catching depth. Remember all offseason with veteran catcher, veteran right. catcher. So this kid Davis, you know, he might be all right. He's a fill-in. He's a 4A guy, you know. And maybe there's not a lot of team. But, like, remember that FedEx guy, Fedorovich or whatever one yep. time? You got to have a triple-A journeyman catcher that you can bring up because you aren't going to be able to trade for anybody now. Depth at the catcher spot, and he has no starting pitching depth. General manager told me once, he said, when I break camp, Spring training. He says, I got my five starters, and I got to have nine. I need four more down at AAA that I can bring up emergency or for a month or two. And I don't think they have anybody right now. Well, here's what they should do. Uh, Theo, pick up the phone. Rick Hahn will be more than happy to give you a willing to Castillo back. <laughs> I mean, not for that we got that the Sox got him from the Cubs, but, you know, you can have a Wellington Castillo uh-huh. and just give us you know your best How- minor, well, a major league ready triple A catcher. So the Thursday Cub game rains coming about nine thirty. Game time seven. Hey, let's move it to six thirty. We moved to the top of the third year scoreless at Wrigley with this Miller Lite game report. This game in particular moved up 30 minutes with the common sense thought that with rain on the way, they try and get as much in as they could. And then just talking to a couple of the guys here, they can't remember this ever happening, being told in the middle of the afternoon, the day of the game, hey, it's going to start 30 minutes earlier. And for guys that are this routine oriented, you know, that plays into the entire afternoon. But for 7 o'clock games, guys, they said they love this. Like, why not do more of it? if they see that in the forecast. But for a 1 o'clock game, might be a little bit different, right? But, J.D., do you ever remember something like this when you were playing? Uh, I don't, Kelly. Um, and I wish it had been done more frequently. I think it's a great yeah. Nice job there, Kelly Krull, NBC Sports Chicago, 630. All right, Fred, you and I have lived in Chicago all our lives. Yep. We're in the suburb. I'm about 30 miles away. You're about, what, 20? 16. 16. Seven. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm exactly the same as a, as a marathon. I could run yeah. it if I wanted to, You're but tw- I, 20, I, I, 26, plus, yeah, right? I would, okay, yeah. I would never so, run it. If a game starts, if, if people are in the suburbs, I'm not talking about, you know, good old Cicero or, you know, any anything. Uh, I grew up in Cicero. <laughs> There's not too much I believe in but unless I, I see you it. You know, the neighbors. Cicero, you get here and get to Wrigley Field on the L in about 20 minutes. Well, let's say you're driving. Yeah. Okay. To get to a 6.30 game, and, and rush hour now is, yeah. we all know, it's both ways. Starts at 3. Well, I was going to say, if you don't leave your house by 4.30, you'll never home. get there by 6.30. I was going home from the White Sox game. My brothers and I left uh-huh. early because it was a bad game on Tuesday. We left the ballpark. We were on the expressway at 3.20. It took us an hour to get from uh, Sox Park to Central Avenue yeah. on the Stevenson. Yeah. An hour. Yeah. So, yeah, it starts early. Here's the thing. Starting times. No one believes us when I say this. Back when I was a kid, even before you, Fred, the White Sox home games at night. You ever hear me do that? You know what time they started? This is way back when I was a kid. Eight. Yeah. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock they used to start. Of course, the games would be over like in an hour 50 minutes. Yeah, right. They'd be, yeah. The, the, even after the 10th inning, it would be 1030 and they could go to the news. But here was the other thing. Everybody that went to, and they used to get 40,000, 40,000. Right. Yankees in town, 42, 44,000. But here's the thing. I will get, I will say this and I believe it. 99% of the uh, fans that went to the Sox games back in those days when Mantle and Maris were coming right. in, 
They all work pretty much factory, blue-collar jobs in the south side. They'd go home. They'd have dinner, pound down a couple of quarts of Schlitz. And I was, this is anybody. I don't right. Sox fans. Yeah. But, and then they'd leisurely get to the game about 8 p.m. Sure. They'd uh, watch the game, two-hour game. They'd be home. They're in bed by 10.30. Go back to the factory in the morning. Yeah. So 7, now it's uh, 8.10. Now it's 7 now. So 6.30 might come someday. You never yep. know. There's a good possibility. I'm going to visit with one of our favorite guys, 35th anniversary. He uh, celebrated singing uh, uh, the national anthem opening day at Wrigley Field. Our buddy, uh, you know him, but do you know him? Wayne Mesmer next. It's Murph and Freddie, ESPN 1000. And now, ladies and gentlemen, once again, join Wayne Mesmer as he honors America with our national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave O'er the land of the free And the home of the of the World Series must win. Wayne got the team, the fans, fired up. Hey, let's say good morning. Oh, let me sit down first. I've been standing up for the last two minutes. 35th anniversary, the National Anthem. Everyone knows Wayne Mesmer, but everyone maybe doesn't know Wayne Mesmer. Murph here, Fred Huber alongside. Hey, Wayne, thanks thanks for jumping on. Hey, you know, I've been listening to your show. It's it's not half bad, man. There's not, there's not two guys... Uh, that I can think of that I would like more just in a room where you can eavesdrop uh, talking sports. Murph and Fred, yeah, you, you guys know you're, uh, uh, you're among my favorites. Thanks, thanks, Wayne. And, thanks, uh, Wayne. For the record, and Fred, uh, uh, I, I, I worked with Wayne Mesmer uh, on uh, WLS Radio 1990. Wayne was a Cracker Jack uh, news guy, update guy. Fred, you know Wayne, too, yep, right? Yeah, I've known him for a while. He, uh, I did. I used to fill in doing uh, some uh, PA at Wolves games and things like that, so uh-huh. I'm sure I introduced him a few <laughs> times back in the day. So, yeah, I even yeah. had to do the howl for the Wolves because when the Wolves <laughs> skates out to center ice, I'd have to howl. So uh, that, that was yeah, my well, thing. It was naturally fame. for him. 
for a guy like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny when when you're playing, uh, you know, and I'm listening to that uh, that particular version of the anthem. I did not identify it as knowing that was Game Five of the 2016 series. Wow. But, yeah. But what a moment that was. Uh. Rapola. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I do a lot of corporate speaking and uh, talk a lot about leadership and motivation and you know, preparing for the moment and all of that. That's a moment you prepare for, you know, like uh, an entire life, you know. Sure. And uh, it's, uh, you know, people who are afraid to get up and stand up and talk in front of people or make presentations. I try to bring them into the moment until they almost freak out and say, okay, here's the sitch. Somebody hands you the microphone. There's no organist. I mean, there is an organist, but he's not going to be playing. There's uh, no music track. There's no lip syncing. You're putting this on the line, man. You're standing at home plate naked to the world with literally everybody watching the Cubs World Series. And uh, to do God Bless America and America the Beautiful. And, and I don't mean to be sappy about it, but that's like when the, the God-given gift that you have been given... Um, just happens to be what someone is requesting you to do. Wayne uh, Mesmer. Wayne, I'm, I'm sure you've been asked every question in the world, but maybe... I got one. I bet he hasn't been asked. Well, me so. too. You want to go first? Uh, I, I do want to go first. Because right. I've seen you sing sometimes um, when you're wearing, like, the heavy leather or heavy Cubs leather jacket. Is it different singing yes. then as opposed to when you're you're out there, it's a 80, 90 degree day and it's a lot warmer? Is it different? Is it different preparation even for you? Yeah, it is different. But I mean, it's like playing a ball game. You know, some guys are wearing the, as I know, uh, Murph, you love the stocking cap. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never <laughs> seen you wear one yet. Are you going to wear one next time it's called next opening day? <laughs> Not during the anthem. How weird was that? And the answer of your question is it's, it's uh, very different. Uh, it's a matter of really keeping your body temperature the right. Uh, the right, And you, know, you forget that your throat is all muscle. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least mine is. And, uh, <laughs> you braggart. Uh, I know. Not enough about me. But, uh, what do you think of me? But uh, you, you have to keep your throat. I have to keep my throat huh, warm and my feet dry. It's so weird. I get cold, wet feet. Uh, it, it shoots right up, and, uh, and it kind of constricts your, your throat muscles. Well, I'm getting a bunch of messages already. Murphy, you idiot, you have to take their stocking cap off. It's the national anthem, of course. I'm exactly. sorry, everybody. Here's what I wanted to uh, also mention or, or discuss. Uh, now, let me phrase this right. Is when... Wayne Mesmer singing the national anthem. Is the star the song, or is the focus a you? In your mind, you know the the song. You know, to me, that's but it's fifty. It's, it's you and the song. How do how do we split well, the, that? The song, the song comes first, I'm, and I'm glad that that I'm finally publicly able to discuss that because it's kind of a a thing that you think about. I mean, how weird is it? And the answer is very. Uh, when I'm standing there singing, and it could be at a ball game yesterday, opening day, where I got a suntan, and then two days later, Fred, I'm wearing four layers. Yeah. You know, um, distinctly different. Um, but, you know, what do you think of? You're, first of all, the anthem singer is supposed to lead the crowd in the singing of the anthem. That's always been my belief. It's also always been my belief that uh, you sing it straight 
and there's a time, I mean, I do jazz singing and big band and all this other stuff. That's a time I can bebop and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, have a little fun with the music. It's not a, it's everybody's. Don't screw with everybody's song. Take your own and play around Good with it. Good for you. You know, I, I was going to ask you about that before you went into it, because Monday was the NCAA championship game, and they had three three or four students, one from each uh, squad from the yeah. Final Four, I think it was, and they did the anthem. And I agree with you. I actually enjoyed the way it sounded, but it took guts, I thought, and that's I'm just using that word because it's the, the politically correct one. It took guts to go the way they did as opposed to singing it straight. Did you hear that anthem? Uh, you know, I have it recorded, and, and uh, Kathleen, my wife, said uh, you should watch this. Uh-huh. So I haven't yet. Okay. Uh, I don't know how they changed the interpretation, but I'll, I will definitely uh, listen to it. They put it. different emphasis right. on different areas early in the song, which kind of like freaked me out. It got, grabbed yeah. my attention. And, uh, I, you know, it would have been tough for anybody to sing along with that. Well, well, that's true, too. Then it becomes a patriotic performance. You know, there's a... Uh, uh, there's so many interpretations that you can do. The song is written in 3-4 time, uh, and uh, many people claim one particular version of the National Anthem done at a Super Bowl is their favorite. That was done in 4-4 four, four time, and pre-recorded and lip-synced, by the way, but <laughs> but I, I never noticed that that no. happened. <laughs> you know, no. see that's the thing about that's the thing about live performance. I mean, whether you're you know facing a fastball or you're handed a microphone, you know you have to you got to bring your A game because everybody's looking, and you're only as good as your last performance. There was even a thing, and I don't know if you saw the the Queen movie Bohemian Rhapsody, but oh, they yeah. they were on top top of the pops, and they said, "Listen, we're going you guys are gonna have to lip sync." They said, "We can sing the song." And they said, we understand that, but we don't want you to sing it. We want you to lip sync it. And they said, we're going to sing it. You guys play whatever you want to play, but we're going to sing the song. And so it was pretty, because they said, you'll be able to tell if we're lip syncing. Everybody will be able to tell. And that's the last thing we want to be able to do. So you're right. And it's so weird when people do lip sync. That's why I like the award shows, like some of the music award shows that actually have live music and they're not lip syncing anything. Well, when you when you take the product that comes out of many studios, first of all, the pure uh, voice that hasn't been over-modulated and, and equalized to death and all sorts of effects put in and double-tracking and pitch correction, that's why I love live music. Because then you're, you know, that's the difference between movies and live theater for an actor. Mm-hmm. As an actor, man, you are, you are saying these words to their face. You know, and we forget sometimes the national anthem is a poem above all. Hmm. You know, so that's just me. The great Wayne uh, Mesmer. Uh, Wayne, uh, I mean, if, let me ask, if I were to buy yeah. um, two consonants, they would be S's and not Z's in my name. Did I mispronounce your last name? I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mesmer. But it, yes, sir. I put a, I made a Z sound, didn't I? You know, I appreciate it, though. Coming from you, it's cool. Uh, <laughs> At least there's not a bunch of Zs like, you know, in the cartoon when you're sleeping, you know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> I apologize. Nervousness. Now, oh yeah, Fred and I. Fred, we're both nervous. Hey, when I was on, when I was uh, waiting to talk to you guys, yeah. and I was listening to the uh, national anthem playing, mm. it was funny because uh, I don't know how funny it was, but I uh, I sat down at the piano and uh, played an accompaniment along with myself. Really? Yeah. I want to make sure because uh, doing it a cappella, yeah. um, that's done in the. I, I sing in the key of B flat, and I have pretty good, uh, uh, like, pretty good confidence that I usually hit the right note, you know, and because uh, that's where people get lost. Do you use a, a pitch? Do you, you don't use a pitch pipe, but you've been with Gary Pressy so long, or how does that work? Um, Gary Pressy. Uh, for years played, oh. and but but finding the right balance there was was a bit of a problem uh-huh. uh, in terms of an audio balance, and uh, and and so I love Gary and have known him since the day he, uh, hmm. we tried out for the gig, and uh, highly recommended him. But the thing is that uh, now I sing it unaccompanied or acapella, so the pitch has to come into my head. And uh, for those of you budding anthem singers, the way to figure out the pitch is a bum bum bum. Find a low note that you can hit. Bum, like a bum 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 bum, beam 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 beam, and then that's your high note. That's now beautiful, you know. beautiful. Uh, that's you, your cheat sheet. No, no. You mentioned uh, anybody could be an anthem singer. No, no. Starring they, Mickey Rooney. Yeah, hey, I've seen they've they've got a girl that's four or five years old that's been singing on the West Coast at some of the Golden State Warriors games, and uh, you know they all you know everybody's so amazed that she's been able to sing in that, and even she jazzed it up a little bit, which I really thought took guts at five years old. Yeah, because you can get a, you can still get whacked in sure. counties around uh, this country. <laughs> There's no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> you mentioned lovely. You mentioned uh, your lovely wife Kathleen on Sundays occasionally. You uh, and uh, uh, Kathleen do the duet of "God Bless America" in in beautiful harmony. When did that? How did that start? Uh, how did it start? I think. Uh, well, because I had so many dates uh, that I was on uh, the schedule to do, and I thought, come on, this would be nice, because the the version uh, that we do of God Bless America is just so musical, and so is the uh, the national anthem. It's done in a different key than I do it, slightly, hmm. so I do I sing a lower harmony to it, and uh, people... Uh, people seem to like it. I mean, the husband-wife thing is always nice, but the fact that we don't suck is even better. <laughs> is that where Joe Madden got the phrase from you, then, huh? <laughs> Probably. Yesterday, speaking of Joe, he did not have the, the cap on yesterday. Right. But I walked over. Every time I sing, he somehow manages to stand there and wait, and we have a pl- exchange of pleasantries. And I mean every time. Mm-hmm. So I wandered over, and I thought, how... And it could be anything. And uh, I kind of leaned, leaned into him and said, do you ever wake up in the morning and think, ah, oh, jeez, another friggin' ball game today? <laughs> you know, yeah. thinking, like, maybe, you know, maybe he would feel that way. He says, no, nah, I'm, I'm into it, man. Yeah. You know, that that's just who, that's just his life, his blood, I guess that's what his heart beats to. But he's a he's an interesting, interesting dude. I know the media loves him, and I'm and I'm with you, Murph. I mean, I I think Joe's a, a yeah. sweetheart. 
Well, yeah. and you said dude, and now when you describe him, I think you'd have to say dude with the just the way he is, and with his, the music he listens to, and also with his van and all the you know all the other stuff. I think dude is the most appropriate word when yeah. you're describing him. Yeah, yeah, he's like a guy I wish that I went to college with. He um, uh, and may have you know, but it just wasn't <laughs> him, or or neither of us remember. It, it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's funny because you say, dude, because my, uh, my little grandkids, uh, two of whom I'm going to have a little fun play with this afternoon before singing your Chicago Wolves game. There you go. Yeah. Manitoba Moose. Uh, but anyway, they call me Granddad, and uh, I, I encourage them to to uh, modify and improvise. So now every once in a while I get called Grand Dude. I like it. There you go. Now you know, you, now you know you've made very it. Very hip. Yeah. Visit. I'm hip, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Visiting with uh, Wayne Messmer. Now, well, you don't have to, you know, stop yeah, for No, I'm reminding, reminding myself. I'm reminding myself. Uh, so uh, it sounds so much better that way. 30, 35th anniversary, <laughs> but Wayne, everyone, you know, knows your name. They see you, but 25 years ago, and, of course, silver anniversary of your book, The Voice of Victory, many of our, you know, vis- uh, listeners of a... Uh, uh, age that maybe weren't, uh, you know, uh, cognizant, but the 35th anniversary, but it's also approximately the 25th uh, year of a very, very impactful moment in in your life when uh, your life, your voice were both borderline uh, for a while. I don't know if you wanted to mention it, but many of our fans might not know what happened to you uh, approximately 25 years ago. Yeah, well... <clears throat> I think the fact that you referred to the uh, release of the book that tells the story would answer the question, uh, would I like to tell the story? And the answer is absolutely yes. Mm -hmm. Because there is a group uh, that still says, ah, Wayne, ah, this guy, he's been around forever. And somebody, uh, like one of you guys, just happened to be sitting next to someone who says that. And you say, do you know know his backstory? Uh, No. And they go, well, shot, point blank, nine millimeter, in the neck. Come on, man. Hmm. Couldn't have happened. Hmm. Well, it did. You know, April 9th of 1994. Hmm. And uh, the book describes not only step-by-step of that night, but it's autobiographical and um, for the most part. I mean, I wrote every word. It is not an as-told-to mm-hmm. book. And uh, it, it really, uh, I think, gives some insight into people about uh, the importance in our lives of faith and strong family and friends and you know we've all had challenges in our lives and you know freddie we we prayed with you and for you man you know and uh where does it go you know things happen and then there's one element that i really talk about in there and it's uh forgiveness which is a it's a high hurdle but it is a one that leads to freedom and uh, so that's why the well, the book is subtitled One Man's Journey to Freedom Through Healing and Forgiveness. And uh, I just wanted people to know the story. Uh, I don't ruin it by saying it's got a happy ending, because it does. You know, but uh, <clears throat> there are some, some things in there that, uh, that, that kind of underscore what really lives uh, in my heart. And it's uh, living absolutely fully in the moment. And, uh, you know, one of those guys that uh, takes very good inventory of the gifts that we have and understands, you know, how easily they could be taken away. So it's tough to ruin my day. Uh, I've become this happy guy, and people say, what happened to you? And I'm happy to tell them 
And as a result, um, I had prayed not just to get well, but uh, to be better. And by be better, I mean a better person. And you know, tell tell stories that might actually touch hearts and change lives. Yeah, the book uh, again, the Voice of Victory, a Silver Anniversary. Uh, <clears throat> recently, I saw you make mention of uh, the doctors. Uh, uh, what hospital did you end up at? It was uh, <clears throat> a voice, uh, your voice, your life were almost lost. Uh, it was after leaving a restaurant, un- unprovoked, uh, just random act, uh, right, uh, Wayne? Yeah, you know, and it's kind of a sad welcome to the city. Uh, but these things do happen. And I was walking back to my parked car a block and a half from where I'd come from off Taylor Street after a Blackhawks game, which uh, I had sung. Uh, as I had done every game for 13 seasons at Old Chicago Stadium. And as I got to my car, I saw a young man walking toward me down the street and uh, didn't like the looks of it, got into my car, uh, parked on the street, backed up and started to pull out and didn't realize, nor did I hear any sound of a uh, 15-year-old who ran up on me, um, banged on the window right next to my ear on the door. And as I pulled out, he pulled the trigger of a nine millimeter uh, point blank, shot through the glass of the door, hit me right in the in the neck. The bullet went uh, narrowly by uh, you know centimeters, missing the vocal cords, and uh, lodged in the right side of my neck. And at a moment like that, I still didn't know where it had come from, but it's pretty obvious that something bad had just happened. So I hit the gas and drove a block and a half back to where I just come from, but got the image of the young man whom I saw standing, uh, who kind of gave me the uh, uh, the concern in the first place, because I thought this may be the only eyewitness to my murder. I'm, I'm thinking, I, this, whoa, you know, no previous experience uh, required to let you know you've just been shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you do in that moment? Adrenaline is going crazy. I drove, boom, parked right off of Taylor Street um, in an illegal spot, I might add, and then went back up and knocked on the door. Uh, and uh, of the Hawkeyes right across from Rosebud. And uh, they, I came in and I sat. And it was obvious what had happened. I couldn't even make a sound. Uh, it, it was the most frightening moment ever of my life. Because I thought what I do for a living may have just come to a, a very abrupt end. But I thought, okay, uh, who I am is not going to change. I mean, it's, it's just, I waited for the police, waited for the ambulance. And uh, uh, off we went to Cook County Hospital and a uh, 10-hour overnight surgery. And they uh, gashed me, uh, they gashed me, uh, opened mm. my neck uh, from ear to ear and... You know, I, my wife still rolls her eyes when, when, but she realizes that I had to maintain some kind of, uh, you know, at least some lifeline to sanity by keeping a sense of humor. And so when I couldn't talk, and she described the surgery, you know, I looked like Frankenstein stitches and the tracheotomy and all this other stuff. This was pretty disgusting. So I wrote on a uh, on a slate. First of all, did this make the news? And uh, <laughs> second, you know, she kind of you know, laughed. And then secondly, I said, I can picture myself on the operating table 
looking like a Pez dispenser. So. Yeah, you're, you're right. In, in, in the, uh, the, the, the you know sorriest of times, if you you've got to keep the sense of humor, and it's it's pretty uh, amazing you were able to do that. Yeah, well, it, we all grasp for something, man. If, yeah. if you let that dark cloud just swallow you up, it's, it's you're done. Yeah, you're done. You know. So there, there were a few things that I had to hold on to uh, in my darkest of moments, uh, which were you know. Uh, probably a week and a half after the shooting, still in the hospital and getting wheeled at Northwestern. By that point, we had moved from county. Uh, we did marvelous, life-saving work. We and did. off to Northwestern. And, uh, you know, there were four things, four things. And I said, to keep you from, because I couldn't make a sound, I wanted to beat the, mm. I wanted to, uh, mm. I was so angry. Yeah. You know, because it says attempted armed robbery. Are you kidding me? I didn't give up money, but what did I give up? Right. You know, and maybe forever. It was I was so PO'd, man. And I, and I, I said, okay, what what's going to keep me from imploding? Um, and and so I thought, well, one, I will never. I don't care how bad it is. I'm going to work up something where I can sing again with my wife, because that's how we met. You know, we're romantic softies. So that was one of my pledges. You know, my life preserver. The other one was. At, in 1994, when all this happened, I just wanted the, the Wolves, the Chicago Wolves hockey team, to be a success. I had worked my rear end off with the business plan, the marketing plan, the media plan, the game presentation plan, almost all of which are exactly the same path 25 years later. So I wanted that to succeed. The third thing was, at some point, I wanted to uh, uh, record an album, even if I sounded like Bob Dylan if, if the voice were to come back. Uh -huh. but, they, but they would be songs from my heart. And then the fourth thing, which proves that I was heavily medicated when I was making this list, is in 1994, if the Cubs were to make it to the World Series, I, I'd love to sing a game. Uh. You know? So those were the four things that kept me sane. October 30th of 2016, Kathy and I sang at a luncheon, Broadway tunes, Fabulous. Check mark number one. Boom. Out for a four o'clock Wolves game. Walked out on a red carpet and sang. 15,000 people there. Going, okay, check mark number two. This worked out. Got in a car for our next event, and I slipped in a CD called So Lucky to Be Loving You, which, by the way, contains a song written by Danny Long, Peter, Peter Longo's brother. Mm, mm. And, uh,. <clears throat> And, and then I listened to it, and I told my dear, dear wife, I said, when I was singing and recording these songs, I, I was just singing just to you. That's a good line, my friend. Yes, it is. I might use it tonight. Yeah. Well, record a CD first. You <laughs> oh, know, okay. It's got to be pretty good. <laughs> okay. The and then where were we going? We were going to that sorry. game five, yeah, and yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Uh, an, that was an 8 o'clock ball game that night. So after singing at the World Series, after listening to music off a CD that I promised to do, after watching the success of the Wolves before my eyes, and after singing uh, some really nice show tune fun stuff uh, with Kathleen, all in the same day, it pretty much uh, uh, it, it makes you remember, makes me remember that we need to continue to always plant good seeds because you don't know how long it's going to take before it harvests. 
Great stuff. Yep. Great stuff. Wayne, uh, uh, as always in radio, we're up against the clock. Uh, but I will say, Fred, you've probably never been to a Cub convention. For all the great and in the lobby, they would let me in. And the things we love. <laughs> the greatest thing Wayne Mesmer does at the Cub convention, he calls the bingo game. And let me just say this. It ain't just going to the VFW bingo game. There's about 3,000 people. Everyone's uh, had a few old styles in front of them at the end of a long convention. And Wayne, believe it or not, just B7, B15, it's the most entertaining all night long you've ever uh, seen. Wayne, we're going to have to break, but I'll see you before then. But also see you at Bingo at the next Cubs convention. Thanks. Everyone knows Wayne Mesmer, but now they know who Wayne Mesmer is. Thanks, guys. Be well. Thanks, Thanks, Wayne. Wayne. See you, buddy. Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. And now, ladies and gentlemen, once again, join Wayne Mesmer as he honors America with our national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the Glad you're with us. Saturdays, 9 till noon. Don't forget, right after us today, you get White Sox baseball. White Sox and Yankees going at it. And uh, we'll see how many homers Illoy can hit today after hitting two yesterday. Probably three, huh? I would hope so. He just hits the ball with an easy swing. When you're that big, that strong. Yeah, and the nice thing is that he'll settle for singles. I mean, he's got... 15 hits, two homers, a double, and the other 12 are all singles. I had no problem with him just getting on base, making contact. He has struck out 14 times. It's going to happen with guys like that. Here's a guy that could make some contact, Daniel Palka of the White Sox. Well, he could. Well, but he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. He did last year. 27 homers last year. Is he... uh... Still 0 for 23, or did I no, miss it? You missed four at bats. Oh, no. Yeah, he's 0 for 27 now. Uh, yeah. Well, he'll be at Charlotte soon. 
Uh, well, I was kind of surprised they brought Ryan Cordell up, and I understand Polka's a left-handed hitter, yeah. and he also hit 27 homers, so you want to give the guy an opportunity. Um, but, yeah, Ryan Cordell came up, did pretty well. <laughs> Ryan Cordell went down, and he hit for the cycle. So it's like, okay, well, who's who's better? Cordell can play better outfield, and he can hit the ball, but he doesn't hit the home run as much as uh, as a guy like Polka does. Well, so. you know, you send a guy down to AAA and doesn't mean anything's going to get better. Ian Happ, 7 for 31 down at Iowa. That would be 226. And uh, slash line on base, 273. Slug, 323. And in 31 at bats, 10 strikeouts. Ooh. That's that's not trending the right way. Against AAA pitching. No, it's not. You know, you look at Ian Happ, who now appears to be a blown, busted first-round pick. So they the, the Cubs tank in uh, 2014 to get the first-round pick in 2015, number nine overall. And uh, I guess the 2014 season, they didn't have to tank because they tanked the pick. Yeah, so I guess White Sox fans aren't too upset that the Sox took Carson Fulmer right before the Cubs took Ian Happ. Hmm. For a while, they said, well, see, the White Sox could have had Ian Happ. Never mind. Hey, Felix, on that topic, do me a favor. Pull up the MLB 2015 draft. And, you know, in defense of uh, Jason McLeod, maybe there was no one after the ninth round pick that's any good e- either, you know? I, I looked it up earlier. Oh, no. Yeah. And, He's stealing uh, Felix's job, Fred. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Felix can look it up if he'd like to as well. Uh-huh. But I looked it up also, and uh, there weren't many. Okay. There weren't many. It wasn't necessarily a good draft. So just to recap, you know, it's not fair if there's nothing coming after him and say, well, how come Jason McLeod Theo didn't come up with something better on the ninth pick in the first round than Ian Happ? Or maybe there was. Any interesting names there? Yeah, well, there's only one, and, and he went 24th. Um, uh, just so you know, Dansby Swanson was one. Alex Bregman was two. Oh, not bad there. Yeah, then it was uh, Brendan Rodgers, Dylan Tate, Kyle Tucker, who's a out, of outfielder for the Astros. Mm-hmm. Number seven was Andrew Benatendi. Oh, there you go. Right before the White Sox took Carson Fulmer and the Cubs took Ian Happ. Right. After that, not you know, Garrett Whitley, who's a pitcher for the Tampa. He's pretty good. Uh, I'm sorry, outfielder for Tampa. There's a Whitley pitcher somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um Brady Aiken, who's a left-handed pitcher who was drafted a couple years ago, decided not to sign. Mm-hmm. I think he had an injury. Number 24, though, was Walker Bueller. Mm. Bueller? Bueller? Got he pitched it. for Vanderbilt. The White Sox decided they like Carson Fulmer, who also pitched for Vanderbilt, better than Walker Bueller. Bueller's lights out, man. Yeah, so that, didn't, that didn't work out too well. He's In fact, Bueller, with Dodgers uh, rotate, he's almost unhittable. But after that, there was really nobody okay. that right. nobody has gotten up there. One guy that the uh, t- Tigers took the 34th pick. He's a guy that actually can, it's got an out, he's an outfielder. Kristen Stewart from uh, the Tigers. So what Not good a is, bad outfielder. So what good is tanking? In uh, 2014, if that's what was there, unless, again, you went all out and bottomed out and baseball's, got one of the first two or three. Baseball's really difficult. You can tank and get, you know, in basketball, you get the first, second, third, fourth pick. You're in good shape. In baseball, there's a reason they have so many rounds. You well, hear about guys all the time yeah. to say seventh, eighth round pick and things right. like that. Well, let's look at the Cubs' four first round picks from the four years of tanking. 
So that would be uh, Bryant, Schwarber, Elmora, and Hap. Yeah. All right, going backwards, Hap right now looks like, you know, who knows, looks like a washout. Maybe he's just in a funk, a bad mood. He doesn't want to be in Des Moines. And that happened. I mean, I, let's see June, July, August, yeah. if he wants to, you know, turn right. it around, get his head back in or not. Or maybe it's nothing to do with his head. Maybe he just can't hit. Right. They found that, you know, curveball down, a high fastball. Okay, so that leaves Elmora and uh, Schwarber and Bryant. So right now, <laughs> Elmora, and, you know, I, everyone, you know, I want to love Elmora. Don't yeah. get me wrong. He's a terrific defensive center. You don't use a first-round pick on defense. Now. Not anymore. <laughs> Years ago, you used Maybe. to. You know, that old good field, no hit. What's the end? Well, you don't do that anymore. He was at 222 or something the other day. Let me see here. Elmora right now. Got it right here, Fred, on a piece of paper. I don't have to go to the uh, computer. Oh, I do. Elmora. Oh, wait, he's two. Yeah, he's 250. All right, I, I apologize. 250, 286, 250 slugs. The so. on base is 286. Yeah, his... uh his, <laughs> uh, his no sl- slug. No, his slash line doesn't look all that great. So is that a, is that a first... Again, maybe there was nothing after him, which, again, then, why tank? Well, here's, well, here's what you can say. Of those four draft picks, right now he's got the best numbers. Well, Schwarbs and Bryant are... Talk about tank, they're in one. Bryant's 231, 333, 365, uh. and Schwarber's 208, 269, and a 417 slug because of his three homers. Now, you know, when it heats up, and, you know, this is this is all a baseball, but Wrigley, you know, the wind was blowing up, but you still got to hit the ball. It's all a baseball, but we mentioned earlier, the Yankees have more homers at this time of the year than mm. they have ever had at this time of the year in their history. And they don't have Stanton. No, they don't have Stanton. Right. So, I mean, the ball's flying out of the yard. There were so many homers last night. In my on my fantasy team in Yahoo, I had Austin Meadows, two homers. Wilson Contreras. Meadows. Wilson Contreras, two homers. I got Contreras. Eli Jimenez also hit two homers yesterday. There was one him. other guy. No, Anthony Rendon. I have him. He's two good. homers. Yeah. There were four guys at least that hit two homer games last night. My you know, no one cares about our fantasy players. No, 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 but I was just pointing out. I got no, but I I got two grand salamis. Yes, last night. Yeah. Uh, Altuve and uh, Belly, Bellinger. Yeah, Bellinger's got, what is it, eight or nine home runs already? He's yeah. hitting like He's got crazy. Like 22 ribeyes or yeah. something. Yeah. And it's funny, when you watch all these guys, they've all got the launch angle swing. They've got the bat being a little bit further back. And people talked about, uh, Cap talked earlier this week about Jason Hayward, how Hayward had his hands in a certain place, and he'd always have to bring his hands back and then forward. And now, basically, they're back to start, and you're swinging straight Why forward. Why did it take them four years to, to figure that out? That's a good them. question. It's a really good question. But a lot of guys are now going with that kind of swing, and you see the ball just jumping off their bat. And that, it's been doing it that way. It's funny, but I think that Jason Hayward also might lead the National League in ground ball double plays. I think he also well, he has, has five in the first five games. Right, so he has quite a few. But I don't so. know if he's had any since. Bell, now you talk about you know launch angle. Now Bellinger, in 2017, he came out in gangbusters like rookie. I think he might have come up late in 16, but 17, he had like big numbers. Last year, they started pitching him up. Yeah. Like it appears they're going like they're to, Bryant, to Bryant. And they, they boxed him up. He had a terrible year. Now, hey, Felix, when you get him in, pull up Bellinger's uh, uh, numbers with the Dodgers. He's leading the league in homers. He's leading the league, as Joe would say, in ribeyes. But when they come up now, 
he's got a level swing. See, he corrected it because last year they tied him up. They had him boxed out, and now he's hitting hitting daylight side of the ball again. What do you got, Felix? Bellinger's batting average right now is at four seventeen. He has eight home runs and twenty one RBIs. <laughs> twenty one RBIs. He could come up with two hundred. What's the record? One ninety four. He's leading the league in everything. <laughs> now he's not hitting. What did you say he's hitting? 417. Now, no one cares about batting average. Yeah, that's what they say. So his on base must be 500 because... 478, yeah. So they're not pitching... You know why they're not pitching around him? See, they're smart. They're pitching to him. Well, they got enough I don't, I don't beef. know how smart that they is. Got no, well, they got yeah. beef in the batting order. Right. Unlike when they put Schwarber number one and there was no one behind him. They got Turner, uh, number, the big, the red-headed guy with the beard. Yeah. And they got uh, Justin Turner, number two. And... Uh, uh, number three, let's see. Well, they got Seeger. They got Seeger now batting number three. He missed last He's year. He's back, he right. TJ for a short, for shortstop TJ. That ain't bad. No, no. So let's go back to the four number one draft picks by by the Cubs. They tank for four years. They go to the World Series. That's beautiful. But right, can you imagine? They got the big TV thing they're rolling out, right? They don't have enough money now to bust through where they are. That's fine. Okay, whatever. Cow jumps over the moon. You got a budget. I understand all that. But they got all these clubs now. The Catalina Club, the 1060 Club, and I don't even know. But these are like, you know, $100,000. Oh, yeah, they're not cheap. They're not inexpensive. $100,000 for a seat. Right? Yeah. It's, I don't know if it's like a seat licensing like the Bears or if that's just for the 81 games and you, hey, you get a free hamburger. Cool. 100 grand. Here, where do I write my check? I got four people. I'm on four. Okay. You got half a million you can bring to family. You know, again, it's 81 games and you don't have to buy them if you don't want to buy them. Right. I understand all that. But they got to fill up these places. I guess they don't have to. They got TV, the new TV deal. Right. Can you imagine if this is Chris Bryant? And I can't believe it is. Don't get me. I'm just saying, you know, that's why we have, you know, what if? What if this is Chris Bryant? What if this is Schwab's? Yep. What if this is Elmora? And Hap, this looks like like a washout bust, Bustola. What do you do with you those? You still got the one World Series, though. No, no, I understand. Yeah. But I'm talking about the upcoming money flow that they're anticipating. Remember, we found out. From the uh, the uh, Joe Ricketts emails that were uh, hacked out, where when the cub when the family was was negotiating to buy the uh, team from Sam Zell, and uh, it was discovered that their uh, re- one of their logics was uh, Cub fans will buy the tickets regardless. Right. Well, maybe that's still true. Maybe it's not. It could be. I'm looking here. Um, one of the guys is a good follow on um, Twitter. Uh, Jordan Bastion, his uh, his address is MLB, and his last name is Bastion. He's got Chris Bryant's contact rate in the zone, currently 69.1%, well below his 77.9%. Contact, so he's making I'm sorry, could you back up for me? in the zone. All right. His contact in the zone is 69.1 below his uh, career, which was 77.9. He's hit fastballs well. He's got a 303 average with fastballs, but he's been hurt by the breaking and off-speed stuff. Uh, here's a look at all the swings on the heat map, and I got it. You can get it so on So this means, on excuse me, hitting balls that are strikes. Yeah. Is that what that must right. mean? All right. right. Contact all right. rate mm-hmm. in the zone. Um, but it's, it's weird, too, because, and, and I, we mentioned it 
uh, to him. He was on here on the Waddle and Sylvie show, and he, he had done something really strange, I thought, last year. Um, if you remember, on a Sunday night game against the Cardinals, they asked him. Alex Rodriguez did a whole thing. He walked around the ballpark with him and stood in a batting cage and that. And he said, where do you like the ball? You like the ball probably right out here. And Brian says, no. He goes, I like it inside, right around, a little above the knees. Well, later that game, Adam Wainwright, I think it was. No, Michael Waka threw him a pitch there, and he hit it in the stands. Well, you just explained to everybody where you like the ball. Well, I heard him comment on that recently, and it's it's really five, ten years ago, yes. Now, everybody know, knows. Oh, yeah. Right. They know knows. your hot zone. Right. They know exactly where Brian likes it. it, it it's no longer a secret. So, But you know he, where he doesn't like it? He doesn't like it at the numbers. He doesn't like it at the letters. And, no um, one knows that. That's an old phrase. Letter high. Yeah, letter high that fastball. That used to mean under the armpits high fastball. No one knows that phrase right. anymore. In fact, when I was a kid, you know, I 10 years, I thought it meant a pitch on the ground as high as an envelope, like the letter was coming <laughs> in the mail. But I go, what's Brickhouse getting a letter watch, high fastball? Watch Garrett Cole yeah. or Justin Verlander or even Dallas Keuchel if he ever gets with a the team. They throw high fastballs. And all it must be a thing that the Houston Astros do, and I think all pitchers, all pitching staff should do it. They throw high fastballs to guys, and they're not, you can't catch up with them. If you've got a fastball in the 90s, which Kyle Hendricks doesn't, which hurts uh, if he throws a high fastball because they can still get around on it, um, you can beat guys in the big leagues, and I think that's one of the things they're doing is throwing high heat. So I'd like to see what the high heat is uh, to Chris Bryant. You know Maybe what I'd like to find see that somewhere. is the exit velo, exit velocity. How hard does he hit the Can they just say how hard does he hit the ball? I'll tell you this. Uh, Bryant hasn't hit the ball hard all year. He had a home run opening day. Fine. The doubles on the line, the great catch by yeah, no, Melky, the ground ball, the base hit. He, he doesn't even hit the ball hard. No. And, and that's how you, that's what you, good hitters hit the ball hard. The harder you hit it, the more difficult for the fielder to get to it. Well, and that's why when people talk about, you know, exit velocity and how hard he hits the ball and stuff like that, that's, you know, you look at it, the home runs yesterday, and I brought it up earlier. Mm. Jimenez, 108.6, 111. Oh, I love that station. Yes. Uh, you have Contreras hit the ball, 109.4, 108.6, and Rizzo's 111.2. The exit velocity. So the ball jumps off. The, the harder you hit the ball, it's going to go somewhere. You know, they've had radar guns for 40 years now, yeah. right, for the pitchers. About 30 years ago, I said to a, a baseball executive guy, might have been Dallas Green. I said, Dallas, how come you don't use the radar gun on, like, right fielders throw infield like you're scouting a shortstop? Or, you go, oh, I don't do that, Murph. Okay, fine, fine. How come they didn't use it for years on the exit velo? Yeah. All they got to do is hold up the gun, right? Yep. Murph and Fred, remember I said I don't believe that they sell 17,000 hot dogs to 34,000 fans? I remember. I'm what? I'm me? Yep. I think I was wrong. I was at opening day back in a flash. Trying to find that old style ESPN 1000. And if you're heading to Wrigley Field, the day off for Chris Bryant. I wonder if this is one of those that Joe planned out he Thursday did. for the three. It was planned out earlier. What if it hit three homers yesterday? Wouldn't have mattered. Ha! 
I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Wilson Contreras hit two. He's in the lineup. Bodie, uh, well, yeah, because they only got a, a 4A catcher, Davis. He's that funny guy that looks at the camera. I mean, he's a, yeah. looks like a cool guy. They all, you know, he can uh, got a little gap power. I don't know, behind the plate. I but don't see, think he's a National League catcher. If the game's close, this gives Joe something. I mean, uh, I don't think I don't think Joe's saying, listen, you got the day off, but if we need you, can you still pinch hit? I'm sure Chris Bryant would say, sure he could. So you want to see game situation, a ninth inning down by two, bases loaded, two Cruz Brian Pinchy. I don't know the way he's going right now. Well, depending on who's coming up. I know. If it's Taylor Davis or Chris Bryant, I think if I'm Joe, I look and say, I'll take you. Number 17, get up there. <laughs> so, Fred, uh, last week, I was commenting on a commercial that runs on a lot of the ball games, Cub games. 17,000 hot dogs are sold every uh, game at Wrigley Field. 108 right. openings in the scoreboard. Uh, 90 years ago, the Ivy was planted or whatever the hell. And uh, I said, I don't believe that in Lambert, a ball game, half of the people buy. Well, I was at opening day. And I'm with three people. So we had a group of four. Right. And next to me is another group of four. Guy buys four. Vendor, hot dog man. He bought four hot dogs to the four next to me. And now our four ain't no hot dogs. But that would be exactly 50%, which would be 34,000 fans, give or take 17,000. So maybe, you know, the three greatest words in the English language when you string them together. I was wrong. How often do you hear someone say I was wrong? I said days? it last week. Yeah, well, you, yeah, me. Yeah. Most people, you rarely hear I was wrong anymore. They might sell 17,000, Fred. Yeah, they could. Uh, the thing that bothered me last week is when the people called up and said that when they don't sell those 17,000, oh, they yeah. keep them for the next day uh, and so, the next day. Supposedly. Right. I said, someone no, said. Uh, all right. Someone said. I'm not saying that they do. <laughs> Did, so I could. I didn't know you went to law, law school yeah. at the Martinis. Someone could have said anything. So someone said that they, yeah, I didn't say they do. Right. Someone said they do. Right. An an anecdotal uh, story I heard once. I got to tell you, I went to the Sox game on Tuesday, (laughs) and instead of a foot-long hot dog for $12, I got a foot-long kielbasa for $10. Now you're talking. I saved $2 and got the same length of sausage. Yeah. I'm sure that would come back somewhere. Cicero, you got to show me. Uh Uh-huh. Want to thank our guest today, Jesse Rogers. Peter Longo, the king of clubs, and went mesmer. Oh, Wayne, no, that was great, man. Everyone's commenting on that visit with Wayne. Felix Ray has all of his help, but also we got White Sox baseball coming up. Sox taking on the Yankees. Nova against CC Sabathia making his debut, and then we got Masters coverage after that. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.